Hey guys, welcome to Bag the Boardcast, episode number 446. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, where we go out to the news garden and pick some news. The next yep. is the list, I, the comic books. I don't like, I don't like that. <laughs> say, say it the right way, Paul. <laughs> Bring you the top geek stories of the past week. Should be just muscle memory to it. It's, it feels weird when you don't do it right. Next is the, I, I like, lich, the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out June 9th, 2021. Now we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the new number one comic books we bought in the month of May 2021. Oh no! I'm not gonna listen. I'm not doing that anymore. You'll, you'll hear it when we get there. Did wait? Did were we not reading Last Ronin number three? No, it's on there. Oh, okay, that wasn't a number one. I got nervous. Okay, well, I always I, say I the thought, same thing. I thought I thought I, list, I thought I missed one. Oh, let me see. Yeah, number one. Did you read Last Ronin? Yes. Okay, was, <laughs> we talked about it like the pre, like last week. So yeah, yeah. Paul, yeah. you need to you need to calm down. Maybe, maybe relax. Uh, maybe just have yourself a drink. I know. Man, what are you drinking, Chris? And what are you drinking, John? And what am I drinking? Just taking a drink of it as you were asking. I know. Um, John, I'm going to. You start this off because we're all drinking sure. the same beer. Uh, so we are drinking from Hop Valley Brewing Company. This is part of. This is a variety pack that we just got in our area. And this is. Um, what's the name of the. The box has a certain name. Hop, what is it? It's Hop, uh, Hop Valley Brewing. Hop, is it their cryo stash? Yes. The cryo stash box. Just look at it. I sent a picture of it. I took and the last gulp of my This can, is the so. stash stash pack. All stash pack. Uh, so the first beer out of that is their bubble stash. Um, and this is using... This is an IPA using cryo hops which I have the definition of cryo hops here. Hop cones that are frozen with liquid nitrogen. Then the lupulin glands are separated from the now nearly completely debittered leaf or low alpha. And then the glands make up the cryo hops that are concentrated bittering and the oils containing portions of the hops. So it really just kind of brings in those flavors and I thought this is a really just super drinkable IPA. The nose on it's really nice. Taste on it's yeah, really good. It has mm-hmm. a better nose than taste. It's not bad. I mean, I have no issue having this as one of my my fridge fillers. But I also picked up a 15-pack of Founders Moon Rambler IPA, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, that was a good beer. I like that one a lot, too. I mean, this right, isn't bad. smooth. Uh, Super so, what's the, nice the name sweet. of the gland they take out of this? You said the lupin gland? The, the lupulin? Oh, lupulin. Okay, so so we lose the lupin, and you don't like it as much as when you have a moon rambler. Sounds like Chris likes his werewolf beers. I do. I do. You saw where I was going. I you, know, you know I had to do it. This, no, this, this is fine. Um, I do like the nose on it a lot. It's a lot more of like like a nice kind of like tropical fruit. 
And at first I thought I had accidentally opened up the mango version that we'll be having a little bit down the road. Um, but it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy drinking. There's no real bitter bite to it. It's, it's just an easy drinking, uh, oh, it says it's an IPA, but if you also put on the label pale ale, I would more associate it with a pale ale. Like there's nothing in there that's making me think, Ooh, this is a big boy. It's only uh what? 6.2% alcohol by volume. Now, Paul, sorry, uh, 40, 45 this, IBUs. Don't, this is no. a, uh, this is a Molson Coors product. Does that change your mind? I know how you like those big brand. Uh, it does feel a little, uh, little mass produced. It, yeah. It's a, it's a brewery that was, I think 2016, 2018, they, they sold out. I think they sold forty percent to. Oh, so they still have a controlling share. Miller Coors, um, but you know, a lot of times those breweries do that to be able to get, you know, this the distribution, this, the distribution, and, and then flux of cash. Yeah, they got that. They got to afford. They can afford those cryo hops somehow. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're AMC theater and they're just like th- floating cash and just giving away. You know, by selling more stocks. Yeah, it's yeah. not like that at all. Not like that at all. Is that something that we would talk about in the news, Paul? No, no, that's something I shoehorned into uh, getting us into the oh. news garden. You know, that was me just uh, putting it out there, where we we have one in one thing to talk about only in the news <laughs> garden, and that is apparently iCarly coming back. Hey, yeah, af- I mean, after nine years off the air, we only nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a twenty twelve. It's a good amount of time though for uh, Nickelodeon like kids sitcom. Um, I've seen a few episodes apparently, and they were all at the behest of Paul watching it or John's dad watching it. <laughs> My dad got Paul into watching it. Mm-hmm. My wife and I. It was just something light and easy to put on. It was on Netflix for the longest time. And it was just uh, something that was just like, oh, we're eating dinner. Let's just put on some iCarly. You know, iCarly. It was light and frivolous and fun, but there was just a little bit of heart there. You know, there's still. Um, I mean, I, I'm a fan of, like, cheesy kids sitcoms. Like, you know, your uh, Sweet Life. What was the one with the, the twins? Yeah, I was going to say yeah. the twins. Your Sweet Life's, your Drake's and Josh's. You know, there's, yeah. There's some fun to be had there. Um, I'm surprised there's enough of an audience for this still. I mean, maybe they have those Netflix numbers that they can pull from and be like, oh, you know what? Everyone else is kind of doing like those relaunch sequel series. Mm-hmm. Well, let's bring back iCarly. Uh, not everybody's back. I don't know the actors' names, but Gibby, not coming yep. back. Yeah. Her best friend Sam's not coming back, but you're getting Freddie, you're getting her brother Spencer. You know, that's money right there. And titular, the titular Carly. What's interesting is the actress who played Sam just recently put out that she was retiring from acting. So I thought it was interesting that that had come out. And I was like, oh, that was interesting. And then to see that this was coming out, like she might have been offered that, but she was already kind of set that she was going to no longer act. Jeanette McCurdy. It's the name of the actress, because I had to look it up. Sorry. That's okay. That's, that's her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul, is something you'll be watching on Paramount Plus? 
I don't have Paramount Plus, and there's and this does not make me want to subscribe to Paramount Plus. Um, but Paul, it's got all the Mission Impossibles. It does, but I also own all the Mission Impossibles on Blu-ray, so I'm okay. So they come yeah, out with this Carly way on you Blu-ray. Can... Do you buy it? Uh, no. <laughs> Do you not love iCarly as much as Mission Impossible? I like Mission Impossible more than iCarly, yes. What Whoa, if Mission wow. Impossible starred iCarly? <laughs> wow, if it had uh, Miranda Cosgrove, that's the actress name who plays Carly, uh, had a crossover in Mission Impossible? Wow, I don't know. They flip it. Tom Cruise is now playing Carly, doing all of his own stunts. Do you buy iCarly on Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. Now, Paul, we've never sat down and you've been like, you gotta watch this Mission Impossible movie. But I have sat down with you and you're like, you should watch this iCarly episode. I mean... To me, that says your blood runs with iCarly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. When, but I when also she, th- she cries for the people of her nation to wake up, Paul is the first to answer that call. <laughs> That's from yeah. the theme song. That's the thing I know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our time to be. And there's no chance unless you take one and the time to see Chris. Uh, uh, really, like I'm actually. Week. Do you want to talk I'm, more about like AMC Vogue right now? Okay, <laughs> and reading why uh, Jeanette uh, McCurdy is not coming back, and she's taking a break uh, from acting is because, like, from her time uh, as a 13 year old, you know, into uh, like her late early, early 20s, she was playing these kid roles, and she just feels embarrassed by them. Like, she even she even says, like, even by the age of 15. She's like, oh, wow, you know, people would be, you know, her own age would be like, wow, it's so cool you're on the Nickelodeon show. And she would be like, she just couldn't watch it. Like, she felt embarrassed by what she was doing because she thought it was all over the top and just not really enjoying it. That's fair. And she doesn't really want to come back and do iCarly because she already did that spinoff, Sam and Cat, not Sam and Cat. I did not realize that was an actual spinoff from... No, we had this conversation years ago where we thought Paul kept saying salmon cat. Like, the salmon fish and a cat. Mm -hmm. I I get that reference. I vaguely remember that, but... Yeah, and cat was played by Ariana Grande. Yeah. And there was all these rumors going on that, you know, Jeanette McCurdy was jealous that Ariana Grande was getting all this attention and was actually getting someplace with her singing career where she was trying to get a singing career going and it just wasn't working for her. Um, so she's just kind of done playing that role. I don't blame her. You know, I mean, of, guy that plays Spencer's still down, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he's fine with it. Well, the guy that plays Spencer is either going to play Spencer or really going to be one of the uh, play one of the uh, O'Connell brothers. Oh, he do that the Jerry O'Connell story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, if it was like slid into place, the Jerry O'Connell story. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the TV show Sliders. Yeah. Oh, thank you. thank you. I didn't get that joke. Hey, it's I had to explain to Sam and Cat to everybody, so let's not. I remember Salmon Cat because of the Salmon Cat talk. 
Anything else? Any other news? Save it, guys. Save it. Esmo Day is uh, hiring. They're going to have a hiring event June fifteenth. Uh, you just need to uh, need to go to their headquarters in Minnesota. I don't mm. know. Maybe I'd go. That seems like a fun job. Work for a board game company. Yeah, kind of cool. I mean, you could work on their books, Paul. Yeah. Right. Would you be in accounting, or would you? I don't know. Office what, manager. Whatever they'd want me to do, man. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Cool. Uh, here in Buffalo, there there's hiring events for uh, Habitat for Humanity construction managers. That would be a cool job. Oh, here they're trying to replace uh, Jimmy Carter because he can't swing a hammer anymore. Uh, well, he keeps just taking peanuts out of his pockets. Can you can you hammer this? I don't know. And it just keeps throwing peanuts out. I don't know. He does it tableside magic. <laughs> Jimmy Carter has never worked for Habitat for Humanity. He's always just been a volunteer and a spokesman. But I don't think he's ever been paid. <laughs> Why does he need to get paid? Because he's been a volunteer, man. Hey, Volunteers work- don't get paid. He works for peanuts. <laughs> uh, I, was getting, <laughs> I was getting my beer. I don't know what Paul was talking about. Uh, I, was I was just time. talking to fill the time. Oh, just, cool. Just, anyway, just like it's, always. It's fine. Anyways, have, the next beer. News doesn't have to be anything more than that, guys. It's okay. Sometimes we have slow weeks. That's oh, okay. Slow weeks. Working for peanuts over here. Uh, next one coming out of the exact same stash pack is their mango and stash. Uh, and this is a mango IPA. This is also using the cryo hops. Um, strangely enough, even though this is the one that I thought the first one was going to be, this one does not have as big of like a tropical fruity nose on it nope. or like a fruity punch to like the taste. Like I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah. I, I was expecting more too. I'm like, okay, this is this is going to be the one where they just kind of do an additive flavor to it or something like that. But no, it's definitely it's, not as bitter as the bubble stash. But it, I think it's lacking that. It says it uses mango puree, and the not, mango is definitely missing on this beer. I'm getting maybe the aftertaste, like if you just let it sit, and then you have to kind of rub your tongue the roof of your mouth. And you get that kind of a it's a mangoey. Like, it's like it's a hint, a hint yeah. of it at the end. I'm, but, I'm searching. I'm searching hard for it, and I'm, I'm having a hard time finding it. I'm uh, yeah, it, it, you kind of like smack your lips. You're like, okay, like hmm. I may have just drank something that had mango in it. Like you don't get like a full mango flavor, but it's still okay. It's not bad. It's drinkable. Mm-hmm. So this will be yeah. fine. Bridge filler. Yeah. yeah. I definitely like the bubble stash more than this. Yeah, yeah. So our, our bubble stash is in the lead, but it's not saying much for me. Uh, I'm also going to throw this out there right now at the Wegmans that I picked it up at. I'm sorry, or the Ooh, Schweigmans. I just, I just burped and I got a little bit more of like that mango. Oh. That's the secret, guys. It's like fizzy lifting drinks. Mm. Mm. Not no, sponsored. mine tasted like sausage. Mm. Mm. This is not a sponsored uh, content. But uh, where I picked it up, this was $20.99. Right above it on the shelf was the Rec League <laughs> pack, eleven ninety nine. I'm like... Yeah, Paul, that's that's from two years ago. <laughs> that's Don't not new. That's not, not new. new. Don't pick no. it up. Okay. No. But 
It's only eleven ninety nine. And I enjoyed that. Quite yeah, a but bit. those are all session beers. Those the only thing that might hold up is that black IPA. Right. Yeah, this was also twenty dollars at my beer store. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I, saying. I paid ten ninety nine because I took it home in a craft pack. Oh. Good for you. Uh, I'm just saying this is right now after having two beers out of the four. I'm not happy with the price I paid. Yeah. It seems it's a 12-pack. But, man, how much was the 15-pack that you got of the Moonriser? Moon, Moon um, Rambler? It was $2 off because it was on sale. Uh, but I still think it was probably about like $15.99, $17.99. Yeah. $17.99 is the normal 15-pack price for, yeah. for them. I'm just saying this seems like a more expensive it, – it feels a little bit on the more expensive end of a variety 12-pack, not taking into consideration the 12 beers of Christmas, which is, you know, thirty dollars yeah, $30. Yeah, 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 but that's also different. It's not a variety pack. That's so a little bit more premium, too. Be. Would you would you pay two bucks for this? No. You wouldn't pay two bucks for a can of beer. For, for bubble stash? No. Right now, I want to pay like a dollar fifty, a dollar twenty-five per each of these cans. These are not seventy-three. These are not. These are not premium cans. These are not. These are like if I did what you did and threw it in a variety pack, yeah, be okay with it. But right now, I'm like, I'm a little disappointed. I'm saying it's got some places to go here. To, to turn me around. I mean, we're only about halfway through it. It could it yep. could ramp up. It could be something more yeah. to look forward to for those uh, last two beers that are in there. But speaking of things that we're looking forward to, what about the comic books coming out next week, June 9th, twenty twenty one? I'm always looking forward to a new team taking over uh, in a team book, and this is why I'm picking up X Men number twenty one, the heroes of Krayoka. Kakoa debut. Uh, yes, it's a changing of the guard. As the first X Men team of Kakoa debuts, one era ends and another one begins. The handoff happens here. That's right. We're getting rid of the old X Men team, which uh, I'm guessing is like Scott Summers, Jean Grey, Storm, uh, and we're getting a whole new X Men team taking over the you know taking over the book. And from the cover, it looks like it's a. Uh, Emma Frost, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, uh, Mystique, Apocalypse, and some dude I don't recognize. Richter. Be... No. I think that might be uh, Cable. He's... Is it Cable? I don't know. It could be. He's wearing, like... like he's got a gun. Got Is it, a, like, a young Richter? He's got, like, the, the gray kind of, like... Is it Forge? Flash in his hair. Oh, I hope it's Forge. It's not Forge. Oh. It will never be Forge. Okay. Tilt bet? <laughs> <laughs> Not until you pay your t- your previous tilt bet. All right, but that's what I'm looking forward to. So uh, here we go. Uh, Which John? Who? Are, what are you? Lo- what book are you looking forward to? Uh, I am actually looking forward to a book that came out last week or yesterday, uh, and this is Amazing Spider-Man sixty-seven. This is the kickoff of the Chameleon Conspiracy Part 1. 
And this is written by Nick Spencer, art by Marcello Fiera. And um, I'm a fan of those older villains, Craven the Hunter, um, Craven's Last Hunt. Like, that's probably one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. Did we mention that in the cat from the uh, the news? Uh, yeah, we talked about that last ca- week. Oh, last week. Okay, it was last week. Yeah, we pay attention. We do this show. We do a show. We, I think that was the casting tree where we went out. Yeah, uh, casting patch. Casting patch. Like, casting keep patch. all your bullshit straight. <laughs> trailer tree and casting patch because it's kind of casting sounds kind of like cabbage, cabbage patch, casting patch. <laughs> Come on. Oh, when you break it's it down like- that way. It doesn't help your cause, my friend. Uh, so good. Uh, but I... Chameleon is another one of those characters that I always kind of like, those classic rogues. And um, I'm interested in checking this out. It's a nice jumping on point with uh, the new um, Chameleon conspiracy coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it is in... Uh, Maybe we'll read it next month. Uh, it's kind of a late month for me, so I'm going to pick up from DC Comics the DC Pride number one, and this is their offering for Pride Month, which is going on now in June 2021. Um, it's an anthology book, so you're going to be getting a glimpse into some of the LGBTQ characters from the DC universe. Uh, the ones that it calls out in solicitation are Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Midnighter, Batwoman, Aqualad, Alan Scott, Obsidian, which as soon as I read that is this does the current Alan Scott have kids? Like, do Jade and Obsidian exist in this universe? It's the infinite frontier. Everything exists. Okay. I don't know. Uh, but then we, we have Renee Montoya, Pied Piper, and many more, it says. So, yeah. I'm just oh, and me. many more. For a second there, I thought you said Mandy Moore. And I'm like, yeah. what? Mandy Moore is in there, too. <laughs> I, I, no, this seems fun. Yeah, could be. Paul, your third favorite pop singer, Mandy Moore. Are we considering Taylor Swift not a singer-songwriter, but a pop singer instead? Then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then, yeah, she's third. <laughs> doesn't need to be delineation. Who's number two, then? <laughs> Dazzler? We'll say it's yeah, Dazzler. Yeah, Dazzler. Until you come it's up with someone. Be Dazzler. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that little shake was that John just did when he had the next beer. It's, it's Stash Panda. That's what he's drinking. But, uh... <clears throat> yeah, we have to do something before we get into the main topic. And now... A dramatic reading from Excalibur, Volume 1, page 73, panel 4. Which breed? You mean mutants? As they are called in your baseborn tongue? Take your coven's name, Akaba. Akaba was simply a place? Uh, are the birthplaces of one mutant? And that was a dramatic reading. From Excalibur, Volume 1, page 73, panel 4. Bet you didn't know magic mirrors make uh, walkie-talkie sounds. 
Yeah, sounded like a truck driver. Now you now you know. Steve, about yeah, driving a truck, would you drive a truck to get the next? Next, next beer? Next beer. Let's beer. All we right. Can take, I can take a minor pause after that. Nah, let's get right through either, it. Let's go. So let's it's go. Take me a minute. Oh, you don't even have it? Come on. Yeah, Paul, this was a waste of your money. It was, isn't it? Like, am I wrong to be upset by this right now? I don't think any of these beers are bad. No, I think they're, they're all. Bad, no, 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 no. But I think they're all drinkable beers. But yes, they're not worth that premium price. But $20 isn't that premium of a price. Above $20 is definitely that premium price. You know, the 12-pack of Wrench you got, the 12-pack, the beers of of, of, um, Winter that we got. Like, those were premium prices, and you got something more out of them. These cost... You know, not including tax, but including including uh, deposit, basically a dollar eighty per. And I'm just saying, like if I was at a premier or a premium and they had them on the shelf for individual, like I can't see myself buying, picking it up and putting it. You know, yeah, for I spent more on these beers than you did because I bought four of them for ten dollars. You tried to game the system. That's what you get. Wait, you bought. Four of them for ten dollars. What? What was the other two beers then? You got for? for, for I got. I got Masagave, uh, prickly pear, so. and classic grapefruit. Nice. So ten dollars divided by six. It's a dollar sixty-six. Zero uh, five times six plus what is it? Nine ninety-nine for a craft beer. Ten ninety-nine. Ten ninety-nine. Ooh, plus one. Divided by six, yeah, you paid eight cents more. You yeah. paid a dollar eighty-eight. You got ripped off, sir. Yeah, so now I know. If I see these in the craft your own, don't bother putting them in. It. Well, you wouldn't like, do that anyways because you're you don't like them. <laughs> I don't like. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not even worth it. If there was like nothing else to put in my craft, my own create my own six pack. Like I'm better off picking anything else, like even a Masagave hard seltzer, and I don't like hard seltzers. The Masagave ones are good. Yeah, but I don't like that's not what I want to be. If I want to drink, I want to be drinking. You know, I know. I I, I will mix. I will make. Kind of like I kind of like the low ABV, refreshing drinks. Like I'm not. You make a spritz. You know, I can. I, I I understand it's good for you, and I'm happy it's good for you. I'm not trying to come off like they're bad and they're horrible. And no, no, I know drinking them, I, but just for me, I'm like, there's so much more I would rather drink in that realm. Yeah, than I, that. I, hot day in July where it's pushing ninety degrees, and we're at the pool, yeah. and. A seltzer is a nice, refreshing thing to drink because to make a cocktail or a spritz or something, I know the spritz is just bitters and seltzer. Yeah. But even then, I'm not, I'm the bitters in a seltzer. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound appetizing to me or refreshing. 
man, a little Capari. Get some Capari. Some, just some plain seltzer. It's good. It's At good. At that point, too, though, like, I like seeing the fact that breweries that I like and enjoy and frequent are putting these out, and that's why I'm trying. I'm not going to be picking up, like, the sampler pack of, like, White Claws or anything to have on the show. Like, yeah. No, if a brewery I like and respect puts this out, I'm going to give it a shot just because I feel like at that point they've kind of earned my trust and the ones that I've had haven't been bad. It's not going to be something that I'm drinking all the time, but again, as someone that, you know, records a podcast where we talk about beer, and I, I think it's fine for me to pick those up as kind of like an offshoot, like something different to, to have, yeah. you know, it kind of, it, it breaks it up a little bit. It keeps it fresh, you know, keeps yeah, it crispy. I, I've, I've had tea on the show before. Yeah. I bring non-alcoholic beers that I have on the show. Next week I start on call, so I'll probably have some non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beers next time. And I mean, but I, I, I but came those back are two to, things I would rather have than alcoholic seltzer water. Coming back though, because I had to go get stash panda because I didn't have it in front of me when uh, John started talking about it. I would rather have like the Masagave seltzers in front of me right now than this, or yep. the Funky Buddha ones. Even I had like three, four weeks ago now. The cider ones I had last week, like. Those are like kind of more enjoyable drinks like, than I'm I'm getting from the yeah the and cryo stash stuff right now. The way yeah. the, the way these were reviewed, and this is I'm going off of review. Like I looked up the reviews for all these, and they were about the same. Because I even said I think these are going to be the same as. Oh, we're recording. Oh, yeah, this is all show. Like stuff. this is all show. Yeah. Like this has all been good conversation. Uh, at. Yeah. I like. I thought those were going to be as good as the, um, the the beers that you and I did, Chris. The the four twenty and the Sweetwater ones. The, the Sweetwater. I thought they were going to be in the same thing where we weren't unhappy with any of those. They all were just really good drinking beer. Yeah. So when we were talking previously about how much this sampler pack cost, I tried to see if they had the price listed online for the Sweetwater pack. Because I picked up two mm. Sweetwater packs because I was like, oh, you know what? Another pack for next week. Cool. I don't remember what I paid for them, but I don't think it was $20. And if it was $20, it was a better value than getting from this one. Did he check on, like, what What does it, top wine um, I was, that you get it from? Yeah, yeah I checked Sorry. on the Total Wine website, but it didn't. Total I have wine. to go. Hold on. So. I'm, I'm looking up the Sweetwater. What is? What was the? I don't I can, remember what they called it, but it was like the Sweetwater like IPA sampler pack. Yeah, I'm going and, to look up Sweetwater right now on Wegman's app. They yeah. have the highlight low calorie IPA, a 15 pack for 18.99, or for 17.99. Um, their 420 strain is ten dollars, and their for a six pack and their other six pack on our on the Wegman's website is yeah. uh, is ten dollars. So I can't imagine that variety pack being twenty ninety nine. And I'll say like, maybe it was. Maybe it was. It, I, I don't think it was, but you know what? Even if it happened, I I enjoyed those beers enough that I was fine having them in the fridge, like as my get home from work beer. There was nothing in there that 
I actively disliked, and I think even the lowest of that tier was like their low cal highlight, which was like their low cal like session IPA. I would put that on par with all three of these so far. I think the bubble stash has been my favorite, but that's because it's the one that's been the most flavorful. And I'm wondering if just the process that they're using, removing like those oils or like however it, what John described it, removing all that from it is kind of what's hindering these beers. Like if that's what's holding back that flavor. All right. So on total wine and more, I did search and I found Sweetwater IPA variety pack, sixteen ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Down on the bottom, customers who viewed Sweetwater IPA variety pack also viewed Sierra Nevada sampler pack, fourteen ninety nine. And I've had that sampler pack happier with it. Firestone Walker mix twelve pack, eighteen ninety nine. Mm. Oscar Blues has one for eighteen for eighteen bucks. Cigar City has a mix pack for twenty dollars and forty nine cents. Honestly, and I uh, think for three, four bucks less, that Sweetwater yeah. Pack, definitely a better buy. Even though you get three cans of that locale highlighter, highlight locale, uh, that was still something like I had in had in the fridge. Like I drank them. Like the, the other base IPAs that were in there were all really good, though. Like yeah. just a, a step above this, like. This definitely more more lower end bargatory stuff. Oh, we got a takeover. You guys recording? We got a takeover. Caitlin's on the show. Yeah, I was just updating you. I just dyed my hair so I couldn't go get our crying baby who's screaming for Spider or Superman right now. So I don't I don't know if he has Superman nightmare. Like he literally is going, this Superman. I want Superman. And he's like hyperventilating and just keeps saying Superman. <laughs> well, that sounds like any time uh, John's ever slept with me, I've, Does... I've cried the same way. Yeah. Does he have so like, a Superman cartoon that he kind of has like on that like comfort? We read Llama Llama like... before bed. Like we're 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 on the llamas llamas today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Dreams are weird, man. He can't explain. Usually Hulk's his favorite, you know. I don't know. Superman's a very odd thing to, like, wake up crying about. I don't like it when my (laughs) one nephew starts to talk about the Hulk because he just stands there and kind of grimaces and is like, oh, I'm Hulk and I'm mad. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to come over and hang out with the Hulk. Just just be my nephew. (laughs) Be, Be your normal cute self. Yeah, just be my nephew. Like, okay, I don't like. That's it. what I say like, to John every night. I'm like, stop. So I don't give Hulk him any Hulk stuff. Like, Me Hulk. <laughs> I know it's not fun. <laughs> so you don't want Hulk to smash, or maybe you do. Maybe you do. I, it's you it's do. Pride Month. So I'm not going to say. I'm not going to shame anybody's kink. So while you're here, is there anything you want John to bring you back from? I Orlando can't think of anything. Okay. I mean, it's like, I'm sure there'll be like some beers or something coming back up for you, but I don't know if there's like any Disney stuff or universal things. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this kid has way too many toys. Like, (laughs) um, like 
That's why it's government bonds for me from now on. Yeah, I don't know, like, what we would need that we can't. Oh, I can't hear you. I have. The, I gotta go. I gotta go. Sorry. Bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah. I had the yeah, monitor we'll take on. Take care of the kid. Superman dreams. <laughs> so Hulk's fighting Superman now is a whole big thing over at the Weatherwax household. But we we can treat this like a pause. This can all be cut out. Oh yeah, I am because okay. I just went really dark. <laughs> um. Because uh, like when I was like doing like dude dude, I have input. I'm wondering if like their process of treating the hops is what strips us of. I don't want to say any flavor because there is stuff there, but it's just not as like boom as you would expect it to be. Especially when you call it like a hazy IPA, like yeah. I mean, it smells hazy. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that in the joking way that we usually do. Like mm-hmm. it smells hazy, but I'm taking getting- that sip, like it, it, it goes away pretty quick. Like I'm like okay, this could oh no, there's no flavor to it now. Like mm-hmm. you get a little bit. I think like, it, there's a lingering ginger flavor. Like it hits with a like at the back end. Like I kind of have like a little bit of like a citrus rind, like on the back mm-hmm. of the tongue. But is this, does it say that it has ginger? Or am I just making um, that up? I have their website open just because mm. it's easier for me to have the info pulled up on the website oh, yeah, than yeah, just yeah, try yeah. to read it off the can. Um, 6.5% ABV, 50 IBUs. They say Stash Panda Hazy IPA features Citra, Cryo Hops, and a hefty helping of grapefruit peel, giving this a bright, hazy tropical ale. Uh, unmasked citrus flavor and aroma. For whatever reason, I'm pulling ginger. I'm pulling a lot of ginger. Hey, this. hey. Is, Super, is Superman there now? Superman is there. Okay. He was having a bit of a breakdown. Caitlin is watching him. I'm going to set an alarm for 15 minutes. Set an alarm for 15 minutes. And then I have to go up and help and watch him while she washes the dye out of her hair. Yeah. Because I'm trying to... Your wife dyeing her hair? I think just like a blonde. Oh, okay. Her normal kind of color. Because it's it's getting too red? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the other night it looked really yeah. red. <laughs> Caitlin, why is her hair so red? But it was just like she, she wrong, was uh, smashing some uh, <laughs> strawberries. What's wrong, buddy? I'm, 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 I'm upset. I'm crying. I'm like, yep. And the Caitlin's like, "Do you want to watch Batman?" He's like, "Yes." <laughs> so they're watching Batman right now. I don't know Ooh. what Batman. I don't know what Batman my son watches. Um, hopefully, it's only, the only watches the uh, the Schumacher cuts. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Gets a little... not, you know what? I enjoy those, you know, that movie. They're campy, like they're meant to be. Though you're gonna walk in there, to be? and he's gonna you're gonna look at him and be like, "What are you doing?" He's gonna be like, "Don't judge me, father." <laughs> um, father, these are the superior Batman films. So how? Where are we jumping in and we're jumping out, Paul? Like, do you want to keep uh, the Caitlin stuff in or are we cutting that? I'm going to cut the Caitlin stuff because, you know, I don't know where Caitlin stands on being yeah. on the podcast. But, yeah, I'm keeping... Because um, I, I got my question out there. I thought John was going to be back a little bit faster. <laughs> no. I, I didn't know where you were going. Like, I, it yeah. could have just been like, a, oh, let me go get this out of the... 
the oven kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Because um, then I think we started talking about the prices of packs. Yeah, Wait, that's all staying in. Okay. Um, um, so basically, John, if you want to jump in, we were like kind of just like rambling on about what we paid for like the Sweetwater pack and how much other packs were. Uh, yeah. I, when I was like putting my hand up, I was putting forth a question if you thought maybe the treatment that they do for the hops is what kind of deadens the flavors on this. Like if they just use like the regular like sure. pellet hops or real hops instead of like their like removed their cryo engine. I can go into price of Sweetwater, and then in, and then if you want to ask me that question, I'll, uh, I'll it's, answer it. It was already asked when... I was already know. asked? Okay. And then we talked about the Sweetwater, and then Paul was talking like the Sierra Nevada and like some other packs. Yeah, some other prices. So if you like Southern Tier, yeah. overpacked, nineteen ninety nine, a dollar less. And I'm happy with each of those beers. What and comes I in that one? three more for free. Uh, new, like either New School or New Juice, depending on, you know... It's New Haze. New Hayes 2X, uh, one their Fog Series, depending on the time of it's year. It's only one Fog it. Series. It's only one Fog. Oh, oh Lakeshore Fog? Lakeshore Fog. Who am I thinking? Is it, uh, who does the, all the other ones? Like, the Winter Haze, is that Ellicott? Saranac. Saranac, okay. Um, 2X, eight days a week. Live. That's it. Is live in there? Hmm. Yeah. I have something great. <laughs> yeah, nothing great, but I but think I, all I would, better. I think all of those were yeah, are better, better than IPs. the beers yeah. that I've had. Right but now. I, yeah. if this is all, if this is all staying in show, yeah. Uh, Sweetwater was nineteen ninety nine up here. I think it was like two or three dollars cheaper, Chris, for you down uh, there because you're closer to the brewery. Paul, Paul, Paul did the leg work. It was like eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, sixteen ninety nine. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so it's nineteen ninety nine here. This was a dollar more for a twelve pack. And reviews were about the same, so I thought those were gonna be comparable yeah. beers. These are, I think, less comparable. Now the reason I picked this up is because from CBW Community Beer Works. I just had their Broken Hammer, which I thought was excellent. And they use a cryo hop as one of their hops in that. And that's what sold me on saying that I was going to pick up this pack and then everybody saying, oh, yeah, we can we can all get that pack, mm-hmm. so let's all drink it together. Something fun for us to drink together. And, again, yeah. I'm, I'm, on this, I'm on your side, Paul. I agree with you that $20 is too much for this beer. And but I don't like want you, you to on feel many like... times. Yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want you to feel like I'm coming after you for suggesting. Oh, I think this was a great suggestion. It is something new, it is something different. Also, something I that I like that I it's a shared over. experience. Yeah. It's a shared experience exactly. I used to Four shared experiences on people I worked with uh, back when I worked at the uh, Hot Sauce Police. And that's why he doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> exactly. 
Like, I, we and it's, are all going to eat this warhead right now. All everybody grab a warhead. We're eating them right now. We're all going <laughs> to shave a, our faces. Get ready yeah. for it. Uh-huh. It's a it's a rare occasion when we can all have the same beers. I was and, excited, and I'm happy to pay that price for that. I am disappointed in the beer, but not in this experience of being able to share it with you guys. Absolutely. I, okay. Honestly, these beers, in my opinion, are going down. I would definitely take the mango over the hazy, which we're all drinking right now. Um, because I, a hazy IPA shouldn't have the amount of bitter that's on this. But I'm enjoying like, this were, more than the other You were two. kind of gone when we were saying this. But it's a bitter, and then I'm like, ooh, is there a flavor to this? And then it's gone, and you're just kind of left with that little bit of like pithiness on the back of the tongue. Like... Well, they say grapefruit on, like on the can. It says like uh, cryo hops and a hefty helping of grapefruit. And the grapefruit, I don't think is there as a grapefruit. I have a bit of like a, a deeper malt aftertaste on this. There's no tropical haziness no. to this beer at all. Think gin- John. Take a take another big swig of it and think ginger. Because I didn't read it, I took a big swig of it, and I'm like. Ooh, is this like a gingered beer? Mm, Marianne. See, Marianne. I didn't I didn't oh, get the I guess see what you're saying now. Even after I Paul thought, said that though, I still wasn't getting the ginger off of it. I don't get the ginger. Okay, I'm getting like <clears throat> I don't know why. I don't know. Paul, the, what's I'm that, getting like taste from, what's that root that you're chewing on in between sentences there? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should take the ginger sticker. Remember those during the early aughts? The uh, like tea tree uh, sticks like chewing sticks, yeah. That were ginger flavored? Or I don't remember that. Flavored, oh, um, peppermint flavored. I, I don't want to jump ahead, but the imperial is not bad. But don't want to get ahead because we got comic oh, books to talk ahead. about, boys. Oh, oh yeah, let me we grab my so next. Comic let me grab my next beer. <sighs> you would think he would have been. He has yeah, it his, it's, his you gotta, it's right there. next to you. What do you mean, grab it? It's sitting when there. I got up when I got up to get a crab, uh, crying baby. I threw my beer out of my way. Yeah, well, that's what you do. I guess he's, he's when not I have to go pick up new comic books. Yeah, I say, what's happening over in Star Wars land, guys? That's right, we're coming at you. This is our week <laughs> weekly rotating. Uh, segment, and this is our monthly segment of our lookbacks, and then we're taking a look back at the books that came out in May, twenty twenty one. And Man, I'm starting- Paul, you just like not doing things the way they're supposed to be done. No, because you I didn't start do your fine. news garden right. It's fine. You're stepping all over. This is cr- you know. It's Chris fine. usually does this. He didn't talk about this cabbage patch rutabaga thing, so it's <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Yeah, I'm just going. I'm just trying to move us forward, guys. I'm taking us into the War of the Bounty Hunters, Alpha, Precious Cargo, written by Charles Soleil, Charles Soul, and illustrated by the great Steve McNiven. Steve McNiven, longtime favorite of the Bagden Boardcast. Even before we were the Bagden Boardcast, we enjoyed Steve McNiven's work. So um, until I got to the end of this book, I did not know that Steve McNiven did the art for it. And then after I saw that, I went back through and I'm like, Okay, yeah, it has that detail, it has that crispness, but then it also has that kind of staticness that his artwork has, and it didn't click as we were kind of going through it. Um, I I would not say, like, I just noticed on the cover that it said Steve McNiven for art, because 
it looks well, like somebody trying to copy those 80s Star Wars comics. I I think you don't put it together that it's Steve McNiven, too, because a lot of what reads as Steve McNiven artwork for me is his work on people's faces. And he has such a great way of defining characters and, like, carrying expression. But you're basically looking at Boba Fett, who's, again, helmeted as he's entering the arena. You know, spoilers for the plot to come. And then a bunch of aliens, which are recreated fabulously. Like, everyone looks like what they're supposed to look like. But at no point in this do you see an actual, like, human being face. Right. And there's no female character, really, that we see. Well, there's female characters. I mean, you get, like, no the size female. The size noodles alien yeah. character at the the gladiator fights. and he, but, but even, like, Han Solo, like, he's frozen in carbonite, so you're seeing, like, him just kind of stuck there. Yeah, but he and, does a great recreation of the scene from um, Attack of the Clones, where it's Boba picking up the he- helmet. And we can all assume that Django's head just flops right out of it as soon as that scene cuts away. Oh, um, Paul, as someone that watched the prequels recently, I'm surprised you didn't mm-hmm. catch this. When Mace Windu cuts his head off, there's if you um, when that happens, you see the helmet falling, but you see the shadow of the head falling out of it. Oh, out of it. Yeah. Uh, so the helmet, the heads. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. You, you can just look it up on YouTube. It's gross, but I like the attention to detail. We give- um, okay. And it definitely seems like I'm just one more thing about like McNiven's art. Like it seems like a different style for him. Like it has a lot of like the hatch. Is it hatching? Yeah. Like yeah, when you the hatching. Yeah. It, yeah. It seems like he's doing a different style for this book than his normal art style. Cross hatching. Yeah. Uh, Cross hatching. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as clean line, but it's. With that cross hatching, but I think he's trying to just invoke that Star Wars, Star Wars, under, the Star Wars yeah. underworld. I, I, you know, it's to a me, dirtier this environment. So also screams Star Wars, like yeah. it just feels it. It does, and it's. I just went back to check, and it just it just says illustrated by Steve McNiven. So I'm wondering if he did his own um, inks on this because it does say color art by Laura mm. Martin, but. Usually he has yeah. someone doing his inks. Mark, Mark, Mar- Mark Morales? I, Mark I think Mar- so. Because it's a name that I know because I see mm-hmm. it attached to his. Um, so, yeah, maybe this is just... It feels a little bit different because he's kind of more organically holding on to it. And, and guys, we're old. When we got into reading comic books, Steve McNiven was still putting in, like, pencils. Like, real real pencils and they would actually get shipped someplace and somebody would actually have to put ink on them. Now he could be an illustrator where he's doing it all digitally and this could be all digital art. Like, and it's been years uh, since we've like, when was the last time we've sat down and like really reviewed a Steve McNiven drawn book? It doesn't been, do it. He doesn't do it that much. It's been a while and he tends to kind Captain of Captain America. He does bigger, like, crossover stuff now because he's kind of gone past, like, just being the, hey, I'm going to do, you know, this small book. Because he's an an event artist now. And a lot of those Marvel events, we just kind of go past because we don't keep up with the Marvel continuity. We have 
the characters that we like, and that kind of what keeps us going back to those books. And again, Paul, we we picked this one up because it was a a Star Wars number one, not really a number one. It's, it's an pre- alpha. It's a, a prelude no one. number one, leading up to other prelude books, which are like numbers twelve and thirteen. Uh, but we picked yeah, this up because but we should probably a, get into the premise. It's right? Star Wars. It's not like we didn't pick this up because oh hey Steve McNiven's doing a Star Wars book, which I feel like eight years ago we would have been like oh my gosh like we need we need to get that. Yeah. Uh, I was excited about it because Charles Soule, I like his writing. Steve McNiven loves his art, and it's basically a hot potato with the frozen. The carbonite frozen Han Solo. Like, that's the pitch. Like, it's Boba Fett trying to get... It's him leaving Bespin and going to uh, Tatooine with Han Solo's uh, carbonite frozen body. And somehow he loses that body. And uh, in this book, it starts off like, oh, the carbonite freezing didn't actually take 100% well. So he's... So Boba Fett's going to make a pit stop on Nar Shaddaa. Um, which is seen in some video games. It's kind of like an underworld basket, uh, back room kind of dealing kind of place. And we learned that, uh, yeah, uh, Hansel is going to either die in this carbonite unless he gets stabilized. And this, well, in at order one point, to get this, the oh, alien he's talking to, who is the same race as Dexter Jetstar from Star Wars uh, Episode 2. Uh, you know, and for some alien... reason he's wearing the same kind of outfit, yes. even though he's not a fry cook on Venus. <laughs> like, it's just, like you know, that's just what they do. Um, but he actually mentions that, like, oh, like he's just going to melt to goo because this is a process that's not made for freezing organic matter. Like, this is made to, like like hold cargo in stasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, you have a moment where Boba's like, eh, that wasn't my call to make. Like, he's just like, I didn't do it. Okay, uh, okay. Well, I was trying to think. I'm like, what non-organic material do you need to keep frozen? Well, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe some superconductors. Yeah, we've maybe already seen, some, like, yeah. when they're transporting, and this is coming from Solo, when they're transporting the, whatchamacallit, oh, like yeah, the they, fuel, they I, I forget what they call it, the coaxium. It's like, oh, well, no, mm-hmm. they, they need to keep it stable. It needs to be kept frozen because, like, as soon as it starts mm-hmm. to, like, warm up, it becomes, like, unstable. So there could be other okay. pores okay. and stuff that they use carbonite mm-hmm. using for. Okay. So here we go. And and that's that's the thing. Uh, he it's, Boba Fett doesn't have any money to pay uh, this doctor, Dexter Drexter, basically, to, uh, to, to, you know, kind of get it all stabilized and under control. So he has to do a job. And this is basically, I'm like, oh, we're in it. This is an episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm hearing the theme music. <laughs> no. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, so now he's going to have to fight in the ring. And I'm like, yep, I've done that mission in Star Wars video games, like, so many different times. Oh, you got to, like, kill so many enemies. Like, they come in the waves. Cool. I got this. Yep. And he, for whatever reason, he decides to take the most inconspicuous name ever. Nobody will know it's Boba Fett by taking his dad's name, Django. Well, at this point, too, he's also painted all of his armor black. Yeah, with some nano paint. 
that will wear off in a couple of days. Don't worry about it. Which so, I, th- so I feel a lot of this like we know more about Mandalorian society after watching Mandalorian, like, and even the fact that they're when they're introducing Boba Fett as Janko, they're calling him like the best scar brawler or something. I feel like all that stuff we learned just from Mandalorian and now they're treating it like, Oh, this is just common knowledge in the star Wars universe. But even when people see the Mando out and about in Mandalorian, they're like, Whoa, Holy crap. Like no, nobody ever sees you guys. So the fact that you're seeing another Mandalorian out and he's going by the same name as Jango Fett, who, you know, we, we know Jango mm-hmm. Fett was the basis for all the clones but he's obviously a famous enough bounty hunter that he had presence. Like, people knew who he was that, you know, the Genosians went to him to be like, oh, we're going to we're gonna clone this guy. And this is only like 20, 30 years after that. Yeah. But also, all the clones are basically gone by now and have been gone for a number of years, so. There, there are still some, though, because so, some yeah. of the... Some of the like stormtroopers that they have in the original trilogy were revoiced by uh, Timura Morrison. Oh, okay. We, and I, I mean, we know from also again, like pulling from the canon, we've seen Rebels, which takes place like right before all of this, and now we've seen um, Bad Batch. Uh, I'm blank on the other one. Clone Wars. Huh? Like, yeah. we we know that clones have aged past us because we still see them coming back. You know, Gen- General Rex is like a mainstay in the Star Wars canon now. Yeah, he's a little bit older. He's got that good-looking beard. But now it's been confirmed that he's one of those troopers that's on the Endor assault. Not confirmed. They... they they showed it off at Star Wars uh, Celebration, and Dave Filoni was like, oh, and like, if you look at this guy here, like, you might see he, him in Return of the Jedi. He walked it back because mm-hmm. everybody's like, yeah, Timona Morrison isn't white, though. And it's kind of like whitewashing characters, and he then like stepped it back. He's like, I just thought it was like a cool thing that maybe I could work this character in, and... He's like, no, I, I can respect that people are like, that he should be uh, its okay. own character. And, I, I understand like, that. We shouldn't, you know. But even like trying to think to what that guy looks like, just in my mind's eye, the only thing I see is white beard. Like, I just know he's yeah, like, yeah. it's an old dude. But we also are coming from being two white people and maybe not having that connection of like a person of color playing, you know, uh, you know, Jango, Boba Fett and Jango Fett, even though the original Boba Fett was a very British white yeah. dude. But, you true, know, true, that's, true. It's, hey, it's important. No, it, and it is. And I, did, I didn't know that away he had, from anybody. I didn't know he had walked that back. I didn't see any of that stuff. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm like that. He's like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to try. You know, I throw his throne out there just, you know, thinking that it was kind of cool. White beard, white beard, kind of working be- towards it, but. I threw that out there because I thought it was kind of cool. Basically sums up everything that's ever happened in Star Wars canon, though. So yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yeah, it would be cool. Oh, yeah, not wrong. Uh, yeah, not wrong. But yeah, you basically see Boba Fett in his 
disguise, if you want to call it that, yeah. uh, just tearing through his opponents in the arena until he comes to the ultimate champion, whose name, even though I've read it multiple times, I still do not know how to say it's it. Spider Sister! Vermin Lictor, who's basically a woman with like a spider staple to her back, which... I'm sure this is probably something that has existed in Star Wars canon somewhere. Like, this is probably one of those Star Wars deep cuts that even as a Star Wars nerd, I haven't seen, but they appeared in, like, the 1970s comic for one issue. Something like that. Uh, but the Grand Champion, who now Boba Fett has to take out. And, yeah, he's he's Boba Fett. We know, we know he's going to survive it. Yeah. Because this is because he ends up with Han Solo on the planet on on Nalhada, not Nalhada, on Tatooine. So I do. I, I like I this book. Sorry, um, I like this book because coming into it, I didn't know when it was going to be taking place. Because a lot of the Star Wars comics that we read are kind of more in that. Well, right now we're reading the High Republic stuff, but it's a lot of, like, the lead-up, and then it's like, okay, we saw the stuff that starts taking place after A New Hope. So, seeing this one, I didn't know what to expect, and then jumping into it, it's like, oh, Boba Fett has Han Solo and Casey Carbonite. It's like, oh, we're going to be getting the new canonical take on basically Chris, like, Crystal of the Mind's Eye, whatever the novel was that came out back in the 80s. Um, that was like, oh, this takes place between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, or Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Like, and as a young Star Wars nerd, seeing that, like, oh, like, this is the unseen history was really exciting. And now, even as a grown, full on adult, getting to see, like, oh, this is. This is what, you know, big old air quotes actually happened. Like, this is an exciting story. Like, like this is a prime point in Star mm-hmm. Wars history. It is cool. I, I'm going to. I'm excited to keep on reading this just for the fun of it. I'm not taking it as canon or anything else because I'm one of those Star Wars fans. Like, I'm like, okay. The movies are canon. Everything else could have happened or maybe might have happened or they're weird stories that people tell in between the movie, you know, to kind of help explain the movies because I think, you know, there's just so much Star Wars that could be. There is. And I like the fact that they're saying like, no, everything that's coming up now, the cartoons, the comics, the novels, Mm -hmm. this is all canon. But next year, it'd be very easy for them just to hand wave and say, like, well, no, like, that that didn't happen now. Like, the movies are the canon. And then mm-hmm. tell new or different takes on that in-between stuff. Almost every other day, I'm scrolling past, like, my Google News Feed articles about Dave Filoni is put in, has uh, made it so that the sequel trilogies happen in a different universe. And I'm like... Dude, no, I'm not reading that article. This is just super fanboy speculation that's upset about the sequel trilogy and just hoping that Dave Filoni will fix everything. 
I think a lot of that yeah, comes as if from, there's something to fix. A lot of that I think okay. just comes from the fact that at the end of Rebels they introduce that like world between worlds where it's like, oh, time travel. And I think a lot of that's just to save Ahsoka Tano because it was such a cool character that people liked and they kind of wrote her into such a corner that they had to come up with somewhere where it's like, well, we know Vader survives that fight on I can't remember the the planet it's, where they uh, fight at the Sith the Sith Temple. Now, Malachor? Is it Malachor? Okay, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't 100% sure. At the Temple of Malachor, right? Yeah, like, you you well, know he walks away from that. And, like, outside of Clone Wars and Rebels, like, we don't see Ahsoka Tana, so a lot of people are just assuming, like, oh, well, you don't see her because that's it. Like, Anakin fighting his Padawan, like, that's <laughs> the logical end. But I think so many people love that character, and I'm one of them. Like, I'm not going to pretend I'm <laughs> not. Like, oh, yeah. Ahsoka's great. Just not in the first couple seasons of Clone Wars. Um, I, I think they had to come up with a way where they could be like, well, how do we save her? How do we keep her around? And they did like a, you know, mystic, like hand waving force maneuver where it's like, oh, like, you know, there's the secret pathways between time. And, you know, that's what, you know, Sidious was actually after. As long as you're able to tell a good story. I'm fine with whatever, like, MacGuffin you have to throw in there. Uh, but Chris, Sidious was after the uh, dyad this whole time. He was looking to oh. create a dyad. I mean, ten years before the dyad. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Like, I'm like, I'm willing to allow all the other stories no. to have their hand wavy bits and do what they need to do. But the ones that the stories that are actually canon and that are Star Wars are the movies. Yeah, and I think that's everything that's else always is like going to be. Yeah, and everything else then is a step below that are canon, but don't actually affect the movies themselves. And that's why I'm putting this book. I'm like, hey, it's a fun ride. I'm not going to be upset by it because I know when I play the video game, I'm not the one that actually blows up the Death Star. Ugh. It's Luke, and it's Han and Ni- Ninub. Yeah, Ninub. Nine up, like it's uh, it's hot. It's not. Oh my goodness! It's uh, Lando. It's Lando. It's Lando and Nine up. So everything else exists in a continuity of its own space. The movies are the actual canon. So John, Paul, and I have been talking for so long, and you've been very patient. Um, d- does I guess the the big question and the question that I think we always have to ask now when it comes to talking about Star Wars stuff. For you, does this feel like a Star War? It does. I thought so. I I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed this book, and even when it was like, "I need you to kill this woman," I was like, "Oh, okay. It's just gonna be. He's just gonna go and kill somebody. Who's gonna snipe them, or it's gonna kill the guards and then take them out? And then when it's like, you gotta fight, do a fight, and I was like, oh, okay, it's gonna be a fight. But I had so much fun with the fight, especially when like the announcers like, boy, this sure guy, this guy sure doesn't like people with heads. <laughs> yeah, he keeps yeah. cutting off that heads, really and I was like, that was a fun line. Uh-oh. And then it's like, yeah, actually, when I read that, a dude's- I had a flashback to actually watching. It was episode one that had. Uh, Greg Proops as like the announcer for the pod race. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I had flashes of like, oh, like that kind that kind of thing again. 
that's kind of canon in Star Wars. Like, they can have that person that's kind of like, man, you see this? I'm making puns. Uh, yeah. It, the book was a lot of fun. And even, like, the fight, like, they keep talking about this great fighter that he's going to have to fight. <clears throat> And then when, all of a sudden, when I like, you see that opening page, and they, they've changed the arena, and they're all on these platforms, and then you see the spider creature. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. It's I thought it was going to be a hulking woman with four arms, but no, it's a a big hulking spider with ten arms and legs. Like I didn't count. <laughs> I I had I had fun with this book and I wasn't expecting it and like I liked also that like it's Boba Fett like ah uh, crap he's, he's he's not surviving in the in the carbonite and it's like beeping and he's like beep 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 just pressing buttons then takes it to a guy that he knows but then he doesn't <laughs> I- have enough money to pay for the guy so then he's got to do a job for the guy like. It's stuff that you've seen before because it's any video game that's like quote unquote open world or one of those. Yeah. That's what you have to do in those games. You, but I like just, that he's on the phone with uh, what's his name? Uh, something Fortu- uh, Fortune. Bib Fortuna. Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. And Bib Fortuna's like, is that an alarm going off? And he's like, I'm going to have to call you back. Uh, have you guys <laughs> seen any of the robot chicken Star Wars stuff with Boba Fett? I've Only seen stuff here or there. I couldn't tell um, you. I recommend after reading this book, go just Google like Robot Chicken Best of Boba Fett because I feel like that <coughs> Boba Fett's pretty close to this Boba Fett where he's just like a dude who's like, yeah, I'm a badass. I'm a badass. Oh, gosh, that just blew up. I don't know what to do, but you know what? I got this jet pack, so poof, not my problem. Um <laughs> I, I kind of got that air of Boba Fett from this. I, <clears throat> I kind of like this kind of chatty, fun Boba Fett more than just, like, the mystery dude standing behind Jabba the Hutt with a blast rifle. Like, growing up and as a kid, like it's a like, ooh. Nod. It's like, ooh, who's that guy? He's Oh, he's the best bounty hunter. Like, I think, you know, even what we learned from the... Was it the Kieran Gillen? Uh, Salvador... La Roca, like Vader series. I just like seeing these dudes at work, like just what their daily life is like. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're all yeah. hard luck cases. Everybody's Han Solo in the Star Wars universe. Uh, <laughs> Nobody well, can catch a break. Paul, same question to you, and it's the Star Wars question we always have to ask now. Is this feel like a Star War? Yes, but only because we have the Mandalorian now. Because this feels, like I said before, earlier, this feels like a Mandalorian episode. Like, if you told, if this was a failed, uh, like a non-aired episode of uh, the Book of Boba, I'd be like, yep, feels feels that way. <laughs> I do have to say, too, I read his voice as the Mandalorian, not as Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, so used to that, to that voice coming through that style helmet. Mm-hmm. And I realized halfway through, and then I was like, "Oh, good day. Keep the credits." And I was like, "No, I like I like my Mando voice better." Uh, I, I, I didn't realize I was doing that too until you said it. But yeah, it, 
It's yeah. This is a hard. This is a down on his luck Boba Fett, which is the Mandalorian. Um, Jin Dejaris. Dejarin. Yeah, Dejarin. But uh, all right, I think that was some good Star Wars talk, guys. There's going to be a movie coming out soon from Marvel, and this is a. Uh, Somehow, another number one. Yeah, Paul, how do I, I know there's just, a movie coming out if I'm not getting a number one? <laughs> That's very true. And this is uh, Shang, Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe. Uh, that's right. Each one of these epi- uh, each one of these issues, and I'm going to guess it's a miniseries, though Marvel won't tell us it's a miniseries until issue number two. Uh it's Shang-Chi teaming up and maybe having to fight another hero of the Marvel, of the Marvel uh, Universe. And that's, and why is he fighting? Because he's taken over for his dad, guys. He's in the family business now. Wait, he's, you, uh, you mean what was happening in the last Shang-Chi series that we read like four months ago? Yeah, yeah, it does feel like we just read a number one. So, (laughs) I don't want to like usurp this, Paul, but this go ahead, usurp away. This book, Shang Chi Number One, is written by the exact same creative team that was on the Shang Chi book. That, and I'm sorry, I'm from the uh, Northeast. They could say Shang, but for me, that's just too hard. It's Shang. Then then also say bagel. Yeah, bagel. I get made fun of at work because I say card, heart, start. Like, it's that hard A in the back of the nose. I can't Mm -hmm. get away from it. Uh, But written by Jean Luen Liang, art by DK Ruan, they did the exact same Shang-Chi book we read months ago. I think this is probably supposed to be the second arc, but since the movie got pushed back, they're like, well... How would you guys feel about having a new number one instead of number seven or eight? Like, I think yeah, this was a, because this, the story is continuing. Like, we're we're seeing his younger sister, who he's palling around with now. He's in place as the head of the Five Weapons Society. Like, th- this is the first issue of a bold new era. It says on the cover, yeah, but era. this is basically like the eighth part of the story like this would be volume two when they collect the trades yeah i do feel like the writer has a better he's figured out his flow with this character a little bit better because i didn't i didn't love that previous one like it was okay but it didn't make me want to read the second one I would be more inclined to read number two of this than I would of that previous one. And the fact that you said it's the same guy, I'm like, no. Like, it was like, no, this totally has a different feel for the character. You, you know why? And you pulled a Paul. You jumped in in the middle of a book <laughs> for the next arc. <laughs> um. But I like I, I enjoy I enjoyed this book, the play with his sister, the play the play with Spider Man, like it all worked, and I think because the book didn't focus around Shang Chi as much, and he almost felt like a side character in this book, is what maybe worked because it's him playing off of Spider Man, it's him playing off of his sister. 
And I think those are the things that worked for me in this book and made it more fun. And that, I, I don't know, I, it, this book worked where that other book didn't. I, I would yeah, agree. He's part of an ensemble. Yeah, I, and I yeah. think it has to deal with the fact that as a comic book fan and reader for almost 40 years now, John, You've probably read a lot more Spider-Man books than you have Shang-Chi books. So seeing Spider-Man in a book, you instantly can like be like, okay, I know, expect, and want this from it. And you can kind of get that, but now you have this added like Master of Kung Fu level on top of it. And it's kind of... This reminded me almost of... Um, Hawkeye in a way and it's so much in the way that it's like it's just a dude who's trying to go about living his life but then he's pulling into oh my crazy sister is the daughter of the dagger she's trying to kill this dude I'm just trying to go out on a date oh Spider-Man's doing this thing oh Spider-Man wants to team up no I have my own thing going on oh well it turns out the drug ring's the same as like the illegal arms ring. The oh, all right. Like, ring. I, I guess <laughs> we have to. And there's kind of that almost hero worship, it seems. Or it could just be like almost an imposter syndrome that you're getting from Shang-Chi where he doesn't want to look like a fool in front of Spider-Man. Even though apparently he trained him in Kung Fu during Spider Island, which I did not read. Um, <laughs> and then... There's that FOMO where like, Spider was like, oh yeah, I haven't really kept up on it because I didn't have my spider sense then, so yeah, it's not a thing now. There's some fun to this book. Yeah. I thought the writer captured Spider-Man's voice really well and did a good job. The sister is definitely like a likable Damian Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> and I, everything in this book worked really it worked really well and it didn't feel like it took a, you know, that guy tells the story of finding the Chinese Yeti and then creating the serum. And now he's called King, King fighter, somebody like it's, he's got a stupid long name, but it was like, Oh, he's probably some villain from Shang Chi's history. And they tied it into this. It's King wild man, King wild man. Yes. (laughs) But it's like, it, it's all everything just works really really well in this book and I, and I liked it and the next book's gonna have Captain America in it and I would probably read that because it's like you say like we have those books where he's like it's that character's greatest hits well it's Shang-Chi going through the Marvel Universe like I'm okay with that. I kind of don't know why something like this wasn't the original series that they put out all those months ago when Shang-Chi was supposed to be coming out. Because, yeah, that takes place in the MC universe. You want to see him interacting and taking like place alongside those characters because, again, it's an easy point of entry for people that have watched 22 movies to grasp onto now because like yeah you're gonna get to see him alongside Spider-Man Captain America number two there's gonna be more big name Marvel characters they say because the cover tells you it's 
Shang-Chi fighting the Marvel Universe. So you can assume like Iron Man, Thor. Yeah. Uh, Are you the upset? Thing, uh, Captain Marvel, like nope, the people who were on the look, cover. Oh, I but look, that's what I, I was going to ask. If you look at the cover, Captain Marvel, Captain America is not on the cover. Therefore, oh, it's we a scroll. See those characters. Guys, Secret Invasion crossover. Ten years oh. too late. Ooh. No, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. I like this book. I like the, what you said, Chris. Is it Shang Chi uh, suffering from an imposter syndrome? Like he feels like. He he knows he doesn't want to be the big villain. He wants to reform the five weapon society to do not evil. Like they might not never be good, but maybe I can make them not evil. <laughs> like so, and he's just like battling that and versus his like actual superhero lineage. Of hanging out and like just being the super good guy and like training Spider-Man how to do martial arts. Now he has to kind of walk in more anti-hero line, and he's not comfortable with it. I like the it. one. The one thing I have to say about this book is it does the thing that I hate the most, where it's now, and it's Spider-Man hanging upside oh. down. We don't want to hurt you, and then the sister's like, mm, I don't mind hurting you, and then it's like earlier, and he's on that date. But yeah. when they're fighting Spider-Man later in the book, he's never upside yeah. down. That doesn't happen. And, and that really annoys the shit out of me. Uh, but, John, that comes before the previously uh, in, in Shang-Chi. So that's before the comic book actually starts. So does that make a difference or no? So no, you could, you could. They're in the honestly, if you where the Yeti drug is being made. You could you you see read the Yeti drug page, behind him. And then he's up there, and it's like, yeah, speak for yourself. I'm going to kick the shit out of this Spider-Man. But honestly, you could not read that page at all and just yeah. go into the comic and not lose anything. I think No, but that page does not need to be there. It, exactly. The page doesn't need to be there at all. It's there for the person that's browsing at the newsstand. Yeah. It's, does that actually happen anymore? Or at a spin rack, picks it up, and then sees that on the first page. They open it up, and they're like... Oh, I got to see how this happens. Yeah. And they buy I, but it. Then, but then have continuity how continuity is because they don't have that scene or anything like that in the book. He's because not upside it, down at any time when because, he's got the thing. Because and it's not actually in the book. It's, but it is it's, in the book. It is a, in the book. It's, they, it's made, a, they purposely no. put that on the page one. No, yeah, it's page one before the previously in, which is not part of the book. The previously on the first page of the Marvel comics, which is this is there to keep catch you up, it's not actually part of the book itself. I'm just saying that is an advertisement for it, its own book. If you opened up the book and the first page was the Hostess Cupcake ad <laughs> that featured Spider Man, you want to be like, oh. But if- why doesn't this hostess cupcake happen here? And I think, Paul, you are correct. It's like, oh, this is like almost like a, a, oh, whoa, look at this moment. And then you're caught up and then you jump into the story. I think what Sean's saying, though, like, if you pick up a book and you see Spider-Man fighting fucking Twinkie the Kid and later on they're building to the Twinkie the Kid fight and you, it just doesn't happen, you that 
argument's just kind of not there. Like, because, no, like, you sold me this. You're building toward this. Oh, this doesn't happen. And I think that's kind of what John's saying. Is it? Yeah. Because you get Spider-Man in there. You get them kind of going up against each other. You get them trying to do that research. Yeah. I, I but he's never upside down later on. Uh, if he was right side up, he's Spider-Man. Though. Page he's 15. probably upside down at some point. And Not even, in that fight. Even in between the gutters, though, like between the panels, it it happens. Spider-Man. Page fifteen. How does he he's too big. He's too reader. hulking of a dude. He's upside down. He gets he, it, when he first transforms. It's page fifteen of your digital reader. Browse pages or page yeah, yeah page fifteen. I'm just saying. That's okay. Uh, if it happens or it doesn't. <laughs> I, I think we generally all appreciate this book outside of like the first two pages. Um, and then, Paul, something you had actually mentioned for Weekend Geek that we didn't actually touch on. Uh, yesterday, we actually had the live stream grand opening of um, the Avengers Campus over at Disneyland. And mm-hmm. I actually watched that because... Obviously, I'm a Disney yeah. fan and Star Wars and well, uh, Marvel Universe nerd. Um, at the end of everything, they had kind of like a little stinger where it was Shang-Chi, Simu Liu, walking up to the shawarma cart, mm. g- getting a sandwich and like turning to the camera and like giving a little wink before he like walked on. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of fun. Did he did he give a wink and then go to a convenience store? He he did not. But also, Spider Man uh, wasn't there. Well, Spider Man was there, uh, but he wasn't upside down at any point, so I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Son of a bitch! I'm just upset that he didn't go to a Kim's convenience. Um, which Kate really liked that show. I, I do want to check it's it a out. Fun show. Avengers Campus looks awesome. Uh, but you know what might be awesome? Our next beer. Ooh, I gotta open it up. Oh, I'm at the end of it. That's fine. You guys are a little bit. Okay. Guys, you can describe it. I can. In all that time that I had uh, child troubles, you didn't. You didn't open it. I Uh, was busy drinking the other two drinks because you guys drink faster than I do. I don't. I don't always finish them. I just go back and finish them throughout the episode. That's what I was. Uh, So we are drinking the Imperial IPA with cryo hops. And this is Simcoe Cryo Hops produce perfectly smooth, produce a perfectly smooth Imperial IPA bursting with tropical flavors and citrus aromas. I do not get I don't tropical flavors I, or citrus aromas. This is very malty. So I'm on their website, mm-hmm. um, and it does say saturate your senses with passion fruit, mango, and orange hop characters, balanced by candied cracker malt goodness. They keep throwing like big tropical fruit tastes out there that I just don't get off of anything. And I'll say, this is a good, nice, drinkable IPA. I mean, yeah, I get a little bit of that cracker malt. Thanks for calling that out. Um, I'd say this and, my- and like the bubble stash are probably my two favorites, but that's just because these are the most recognizably decent IPAs out of the, the four-pack. And mine say they're good till September. Like yeah. the best, so, the best buy date on them is September fourteenth. So it's not like these are old, and you would that flavors would drop off as much. Um, but this is just um an imperial IPA. It's a multi imperial IPA. There's 
nothing more to it. Yes, it's it's nice drinking. It's nothing too crazy. Um, eight point seven percent ABV. I yeah. I'm surprised by that because it's pretty easy to drink. I mean, it's an imperial, but when I see imperial IPA, I expect a lot more of like just big, full body like hop flavor on mm-hmm. it. That's just kind of not there for this. I'm going to go Top Gun on this, and I'm going to say their marketing team is writing checks that their brewery team cannot cash. Cash, cash. yeah. It's uh, good on them. Like, their marketing team did a great job. He fooled John into uh, forcing uh, (laughs) Chris and I to spend more money than we should have. It's No offense, John. I'm happy to have shared this experience with you. It's just... We all, we up, all came right? to the same conclusion. Okay. It's you know, kind of and, the and, astronaut ice it, cream of beer. Like, we're yeah. like, whoa, this is what the astronauts eat? Okay, let me get a brick of that. And then you have it, and you're like, oh, there's not a lot here. And it's then later on, you do research, and the astronauts don't even eat it? And you're like, what the hell? I always tell people it's been to the moon. No, it you hasn't. Get, you gotta get the space cream. It's been to the moon. It's not. It hasn't even been on the easy... It's just not been in low orbit. It's just dehydrated, not good ice cream. It's, oh. And Dippin' right. Dots, man. Dippin' Dots are not the ice cream of the future. I don't yeah, care. Dippin' Dots are good. Don't they're speak good. Yeah, they're good. No, Dippin Dots. they're not good. They just are super cold. You can't taste anything. They're... Dippin' Dots but, are good. So four, I've had Dippin' Dots good. once, and I did not like them. Four beers in, hey, Paul, four beers down, power rankings. Ugh. I got I got mine lined up on my on, on my desk here. Go ahead, right ahead. Bubble stash number one. Mango stash mm. number two. Cryo stash number three, and then like, and then stash panda number three. Mm. Uh, I went because even with even without that mango, really there, it still was a smooth, easy drinking beer. I had uh, Bubble Stash, then Cryo Stash, because out of this four-pack, if you go into Sub-Bargatory, like this is lower level, those are probably the two that I'd be like, oh, like that's that's an okay IPA. Um, my number three was Stash Panda, and then I did Mango Stash, because I think Stash Panda is probably the closest to what it says it's trying to be with a hazy IPA. It smells kind of hazy. It has a little bit of like that grapefruit, like rind on the back of the tongue. Mango stash. I, if you're gonna call yourself a mango IPA, yeah. I'm gonna take a sip, and I want mango flavor, and it just didn't have that. No, it doesn't have it. it was, but I it still was like, like if the I mouthfeel and just the body of the. It's IPA. Like if I had an IPA, or actually, sorry, I'm gonna restart. It's like I had a mango beer before, finish it and then poured an IPA into my glass and I was like, oh I, I think it tastes a little bit of that so there's just not enough there to call it like a mango IPA and I don't think I would consider any of these like tropical flavored like outside the no, nose yeah. on Bubble Stash like yeah. we, we still have two more comic books to talk about I'm gonna grab another one of these just to have it as we're talking but it's it's just not there because Chris can't hang out with us without drinking. And that's okay. Because I can't hang out with... Hey, it's because Chris, I don't worry about it. 
I can't hang out with myself without drinking. It's because so, I live in Florida, and even though my AC is set to seventy two, I'm like, oh, I could I could use a cold drink. I I would definitely I, I definitely have another beer that I could grab and drink. Um, but Paul, your your ranking? I'm going to be uh, the odd one out. I'm going with Stash Panda number one. Really? I, I was picking up some ginger flavor on this that I was enjoying, and I'm like, <laughs> it's not supposed to be there. But nobody else it, gets it. <laughs> nobody else gets it, but I was getting it, and at least it had flavor. And that's it's like one of the only thing, good things I can say about this whole variety pack. At least that one tasted of something. Then Bubble Stash, because it was just light, very easy drinking. That's like, all right, I'm going to drink something. Fine. Bubble Stash. Then the Cryo Stash, which at this it's, point I'm like, it's I'm not upset. a... Yeah. Now that I see cry, like this is going to put me off of this whole cryo hopping experience because the whole point, right, is supposed to be delivering that hop flavor in a more easy way. And I'm getting a malt bomb from this. This should be the big boy IPA hoppy in your face flavor. And it's a malt bomb. It's a malt bomb. I agree. Right? Like in Best Buy. Freaking September, right? Like, yeah, nine fourteen twenty one. Yeah, like, that's mine. Well, before that, and I'm getting just malt bomb from uh, us. They are based out of Oregon. Uh, mine also do say September. Mine September sixth, twenty twenty one. But yeah, mm, Chris's is and, older. And then the very last one I'm going to put is mango stash, just because again, kind of like the cryo stash. Like, it doesn't deliver on what it should be delivering on. I should be getting big hop flavor from Cairo Stash. I should be getting some mango flavor from Mango Stash. And I get none of it. If if somebody, if I showed up at a party, or if somebody came to my house, and they had a six-pack of Bubble Stash, hmm. I would pleasantly drink a few. Like, it wouldn't be... That's what yeah. when I got up to get my like oh just like finish out the show, I I grabbed the bubble sash. It's not a bad IPA, and I'm not it's trying not to defend this. IPA. I'm not trying to defend this brewery because I 100 percent agree with Paul. The price that you paid for these beers, the beers do not stand up to that price point. I if I see hop, agree. if I see Hop Valley out, and there's another beer by them, I'm passing it by. Yeah. There's too many other great breweries, so many other great beers I can buy. This market is saturated. This was their chance to be like, hey, I'm going to be put on the radar here. They are now on my radar for a negative connotation. I will never buy another Hop Valley beer. I'm j- I'm, I tried four of them. I'm done. And like when Chris and I had the Sweetwater... And I paid nineteen, you know, nineteen ninety nine for that twelve pack. I in it, I would rate all those beers between a three and a half and a three seven five. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fun drinking those with Chris. I enjoyed drinking all of yeah. those beers, and like Chris had said, yeah. like. If all of these beers were in a cooler and I reached my hand in and just pulled that one out at random, whatever I got, I'd be happy with. These beers, 
rated the same way yeah. on on Untapped and on um, Beer they Advocate. On beer, beer Advocate. And I was like, these should be as good as Sweetwater for the price point. A, do- a dollar more. And a dollar more, I can understand, for that cryo-hopping whatever. But these do not even come close to the one, to, to the session Sweetwater that definitely was the one towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I still like that beer, and I still would drink that beer over any of these. Harpoon, uh, Rec League put Harpoon back on the map for me. And that's what I'm saying. Like, a variety pack can elevate you. This one just... It, it, I'm I'm almost angry. No, but, it, don't don't be mad, because after having the two Sweetwater packs, and then going back, and when I had to go buy the Funky Buddha Seltzer variety pack, and then the Hop Valley sample pack... It's a whole corner of my beer store that I don't normally go to because on your left-hand side, it's all the craft beer variety packs. Right side, it's all those macro lagers, like the stuff that we're not going to be going to buy. They have so many different variety packs from breweries that I know and do enjoy that it made me feel like, oh, this should probably be where I go on my day off and just pick up beer for my fridge. Because a lot of times when I go to buy beer, I'll be looking for something that's new and different that I can have to drink for that day, but then maybe save one for the show. Uh, Paul, they actually had the Elysian variety pack that you had last week. They had another Elysian variety pack that I had seen before that I was like, oh, like maybe I should just grab that as a fridge filler. Yeah. Uh, they had the Oscar Blues pack that you mentioned before, too. They have so many variety packs that I'll normally just walk past because, you know, 50% of those are beers I might have had before. So I'm just going to walk by it and not think anything about it. But again, it's, you know, talking about beer on a podcast, they might be something that's great to grab. Uh, Much like John just grabbed something that I was looking for and didn't find. Do you want to talk about it or is that just a you're drinking it? Yeah. Uh, this actually will be coming into the the Buffalo market um, today and tomorrow. Like I'll get mine tomorrow. But this is the Hell's Seltzer, brilliant Hell's Love Kitchen, it. Hell's Kitchen inspired hard seltzer. And this is the Knicker Twist. This is passion fruit, pineapple, orange, five point six percent, hundred and twenty calories. Um. And this is fun. This is a nice, fruity, Do enjoyable. Do you think it would turn Paul into someone that's like, okay, seltzer's not bad? I'm not saying it's he bad. He hates them. <laughs> I'm just saying that... Paul, you would, take, you would take a sip of this and go, I can make a tiki drink that tastes better than that. Yeah. Because this definitely has those tiki drink pineapple the fruit flavors all working together. This is probably, I've had three out of the four flavors and this is probably my favorite one. Um, 
the next, the other one I had was the kiwi pineapple mint and another fruit. Mm-hmm. And I took a couple sips of that one, and I was like, mm, too minty. And then Ooh. I took a couple more sips, and I was like, I'm loving this. Like, I had to get acclimated to that yeah. mint, and once I was, I was in for it. And then I had a moment where I, I think I was playing a video game while I was drinking it, and I was like... I still, like, have half that seltzer to drink. And I reached down and I grabbed the can and it was empty. And I was genuinely, like, I was bummed. Disappointed. Oh, I thought I had half a can left and I drank it all. This is really good. The other flavor, I forget what the flavor was. I, I didn't, I, it was okay. It was something that... We split three ways between Caitlin, her mom, and me. And all of us were like, eh, about it. Mm -hmm. I still have the lime coconut graham, like graham cracker one, that's supposed to be kind of like a key lime pie. I still have that one that I haven't cracked open yet. Um, But these are are nice. And I know we had the seltzer talk earlier, but... This is nice. I actually ran upstairs to grab a good neighbor from Community Beer Works because that is a 6.5% IPA, $9.99 for the six-pack, and it is a damn good just fridge filler sipping beer. Um, Paul, I know you you had had it quite a while ago Mm -hmm. um, when it was in the Tallboy cans. Now it's in 12-ounce six-packs. And I don't know if they changed the recipe, but I definitely like it more out of the 12-ounce can than the 16-ounce can. But it was just something that I was like, yeah, this is just something I would have in my fridge. And I was I was grilling pork chops and asparagus on the grill, and I was drinking that beer, talking to my dad. And I was like, yeah, this is good. This is good good life for me right now. I'm really enjoying it. And I just sucked that, that beer down. And... Um, when I ran up, <laughs> I ran upstairs and I didn't see one in the fridge. I was like, "Where the fuck did they all go?" In your belly. I. I don't think I don't think they have. I've only had one out of the six pack. Mm-hmm. But you're a beer daddy. I'm a, I'm a beer. <laughs> I'm a beer daddy. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, I did get a chance to respond because I was at work. But, Paul, I just want you to know your wife texted me the other day and just said, Daddy, and I don't know what it was in response to. (laughs) Probably nothing. It's just that every once in a while we're watching something and, like, somebody will say Daddy, and then she'll go, Daddy. Because I was like, like, I I haven't texted her in a minute. Like, did she listen to the show because I had the caramel daddy? (laughs) Like, was that what it (laughs) No, no. It's just her letting letting you know she's thinking of you and misses you. Aw. I, I should yeah. I should have responded back, but it was late. Um, but yeah, sorry. she didn't let me know if she said texted you or anything. But I know that we were watching something, and we then we did the daddy. Oh, okay, just so like it was probably do. that thing. And then, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm gonna kind of I mean, circle. She loves you guys, you know. Oh, I love her she too. She really does. But Paul, I'm gonna circle back to something that John said to you before, because Ooh. Paul, you love tall boys. I do like tall boys. Love- yeah. Big in your face flavor? Yes. Paul, I have a comic book 
that when I read the description for it, this was my pick for the list last week, so go ahead and listen to 445 before we get into this any further, uh, that I thought John would have picked up. So I'm hoping John is now acclimated because I'm going to throw it over to him because I really feel like John should introduce this book because as soon as I read about this, I was like, oh, why didn't John make us read this? And this is Ultra Mega number one. I think this book was like six ninety nine when it first came it's out. It's expensive because they're all big, oversized uh, special it, issues. How many pages was it? Uh, this was sixty page. Okay, sorry. So I, I'm looking at the uh, summary now. That's but good. I said sixty page because it's a sixty page debut. Um, yeah, and this is ultra mega written, drawn in. Um, created by James Harren over at Image Comics. And this is a virus that is transmuting people into kaijus. And a select three were given powers by this uh, weird floating, floating eye, floating eye so head weird. dude. Um, to be able to spot create uh to, to spot trigger the virus and then be able to fight them with these omega ultraman kind of powers and um yeah this t- this takes place they kind of show what's going on they show a man who's given the power and then him fighting a a couple of them before he is ultimately defeated where he pulls the power out of his chest and then sends it off to find someone who's worthy to carry this power to help defeat these kaijus and then you kind of go into this world that's been broken down without without these ultramen and um and you kind of follow this one character story that you think maybe his son Noah but uh, you're not sure who who this character is this book is a lot of fun. I think the art fits this book book so perfectly, and it's and and it definitely works with after the guy has turned into the Ultraman, and then he's on the phone with his wife naked, and his head's still giant, but his body's normal. And, and for a like panel, I was like, "Oh, the art is horrible in this. Like his head's huge." And then they make mention of it, and I'm like, oh, "His wife's okay. like, uh, you okay? Your head's still big." He's like. It'll shrink. <laughs> My neck's gonna hurt tomorrow. Uh, um, I do want to mention too, like yeah, written, created, drawn by James Heron. Uh, but then right next to him on the cover of the book is the colorist Dave Stewart, who has done a lot of Hellboy and BPRD books, and he, I know he's won Eisner's for best colorist before. But when I think Hellboy and BPRD, I always think, like, those really soft, like, muddied, muted colors. And it does seem like on this book, he was really just kind of given the go-ahead. It's like, no, it's giant superhero people fighting virus kaiju in cities. Just go with it. And you get to see him kind of get to live and breathe being a comic book colorist and have... Again, being familiar with him and seeing what he's done before, 
seeing him kind of branch out in this way, it really made me kind of take another look at that artwork that I probably wouldn't have before because it's bold, it's big, it's vibrant. It's a very vibrant, and the color red that he chooses to represent blood is it really a very pops. bright. Is it, it pops. Yeah, John, you've given blood quite a bit. I give blood quite a bit. My blood is never that bright red. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the, the because uh, in this book, uh, we've already talked about it, but the oh, Ultra Mega, the humans, uh, grow up to a huge size, and they fight the kaiju. Near the end of the book, uh, the Ultra Mega that we've been following is decapitated. <laughs> and uh, he's, so, he's so in this large form body. So much so that basically the city floods with blood and then rescuers have to come out, like first responders, to dig people out of the scabbing. Like, it's basically just yeah. biblical proportions. I'm not sure if your blood would scab... Is the Ultra Mega, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same. You're dealing with a uh, kaiju like Super Sentai kind of universe. When when I give blood, the bag of blood doesn't scab over. Paul, in yeah, but you've days. never poured that blood out onto the ground and seen what it does. It would just dry out. <laughs> yeah, so the blood dried and it doesn't scab. It dries. Okay. Anyways. Not, I, I don't want. I'm Boy, not you're to taking be that some weird logic with this comic book about people who get mystical powers to fight kaiju viruses. But they also thought about, oh, that would be a lot of blood. Let's flood the street with it. Like, yeah, we so they, well, we have uh, the Ultra Mega, which there's three of them, three people that have been given this power. Jason, who's kind of our main character, that's kind of the step up protector. Um, there's a kid. Meyer, who's like, well, no, like, we'll have machines do this. So he's like a genius who's programming robots to actually fight these kaiju. And then Ern. The green one. Ern, who's kind of the recluse that, like, just kind of disappeared. But then he does show up in this issue um, when shit's going down. The red one. The red one. (laughs) Um, And they all have to go up against this, like, uber kaiju. And in between this, we're seeing kind of the unrolling of the story where Jason has like a secret family and child that he doesn't acknowledge that are imbued with this kaiju virus, and he's removed himself from them to like refrain from triggering it. But then his absence not being there has allowed this virus to like metastasize almost inside the child because oh, it it didn't come to life it didn't spring forward we weren't able to fight it and kill it so now Mm -hmm. it's just been kind of brewing for 10 years now uh set up at the front it's a very weird world but i really dig it i had a Mm -hmm. lot of fun with this book yeah if you were a fan of um evangelion Mm -hmm. or um Pacific Rim, like, you know this world. If you've seen those or have an idea what they're about, or even, like, One Punch Man, in a way, where a 
crazy supervillain shows up and one pan- punch man shows up and fights him. Like it's it's basically like that. And I think this book works because of those previous things before it and even power rangers yeah Mm -hmm. guy was given a cosmic power to fight these things where it's gonna go uh, with the future state and whoever is going to find that power to fight these kaijus kaijus but also wouldn't those people who imbued those three people when they died then just give power to people again it might have been like this is now a dead dead planet. Uh, we tried our best. We got to move on to the next one because uh, like, yeah. But it's a giant eyeball, as, dude. Like as a Green Lantern fan, like you've seen the Guardians give countless rings to people. And reading Green Lantern number two this month, it's very much just like oh, the Guardians just aren't even that in control of everything that's happening because. I started thinking about because they were having the funeral for the Guardian that was killed in Green Lantern number one, and I'm like. Well, these aren't the Guardians that we knew when I started reading comic books because those Guardians disappeared. Then there was only one Guardian. Then he gave birth to other Guardians. And then those ones disappeared. But now the Guardians we have were rescued from, like, a prison planet by, like, Hal Jordan. Like, things change. We don't know what, like, the eyeball bestowing (laughs) person's been up to, necessarily. Yeah, he, he gave this power out. And then he moves on to the next one, so pick, picks his champions, moves on. Like, you know, you do your programming, you write your little code, and then you move on to the next thing, and you just hope it all works out. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm flipping through it, and I'm just like, it's so weird when, like, the kaiju kid's talking to him. It's like, oh, father, what do you want to name me? Like, my mother's always like, oh, betrayer, like, oh, the end of doom, like, weird shit. And then it. Meanwhile, your character, like, Ultra Mega Jason's just like, oh, he ate my fucking foot. Like, mm-hmm. it's bizarre, but I really, really enjoyed this book. And Well, even, like, that, that the mother who is receiving groceries on a regular basis, and then you see the kitchen just full of all these bags of groceries because they don't need to eat them because they're these kaijus, and she's forming a child in the background out of her own flesh so the guy who's dropping off the groceries doesn't know that it's that there isn't a boy in there that uh, he's a monster in the basement I, who's gonna break through like i do like that he's super cordial still and he's like oh like hey how's it going and then i see he's like oh that place smells like just fucking meat <laughs> like it's just gross <laughs> You know what, uh, and though? Then, you guys, we, we're giving a lot of shit to these kaiju. Or just you know, springing up and just, like, becoming huge and kind of gross-looking. But they tip really well. So, <laughs> who's a real monster? Jason, who we never see tip. He buys that teddy bear when he's, like, covered in, like, gross ichor after fighting a kaiju. And he's like, oh, I bought a, a bear for my other kid's... See, I thought that might have been, like, baby vomit on him. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a a father. Uh, So, before we we wrap up this book, John, this this has you written all over it. Were you not aware of this book? Because I would have sworn this would have been something you brought to the show, and then I would have been like, oh, he's going to make us read this. And then I'd be like, oh, 
like Maniac of New York style, I was like, oh, I really enjoy this world. I kind of want to see where it goes because kind of like Pacific Rim, this is a world where like, oh, kaiju attacks just happen. Like you have shelters you go to. You know what she got to do in case it happens. What what happened? I I believe I saw this book and I thought about grabbing it, but it was I'm pretty sure it was too pricey. Like when I think I went to grab this, I think it was like 5.99 or 6.99 and I just went eh. It's eh, it's too much money. Like and I don't think I realized it was 60, 60 pages. But also, a lot of times when I grab these books that I was like, eh, I'm going to pick that book because it's creative. Now that when we say we're going to pick those books, we actually bring them to the table. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of shit over the last 11 years, soon to be 12 years, that I double check my homework and a lot of times when I've bought an indie book like this I will read it previous to recommending it for the most part and be like nah not this one it's the ones that I don't have a chance to read that I'm like I'll throw it on there because I'll read it because we have to read it for the show that I'm like hmm uh, John, as somebody who's taken shit <laughs> from you two guys for the past 12 years, you just double down and just keep going. That's what you I commit. Do. You just like, you got to commit. You got to come up with like, oh, they're making fun of uh, the news garden. So you come up with casting cabbage and the trailer tree. Like, you Paul, just I do want to say you said news garden and we took that and ran. We uh-huh. never we were like, yeah, news garden, let's go to the news garden. Let's let's keep that going. Uh-huh. You know? Like it but Yeah, and in, we kept on sense, like, oh, here a, comes another indie book from John about a killer and it's all about blood and some yeah. psycho And here's the same thing. I would I would say run with it. Ninety percent of the time I agreed with you guys that they weren't good books. The idea or the concept is always what I got behind on those. But even I couldn't keep that up for 12 years. (laughs) It got to the point where I was like, it sounds pretty good, but eh, I'm not going to bother with this. Or I'll pick it up, read it, and be like, yeah, this this isn't even worth me making you guys read. So I did look into it. Ultra Mega number one was $6. Number two, also $6. Issues three and issue four, which will be coming out, you know, in the upcoming months, are eight dollars each. Uh, after Oof. spending, but here's the thing: after spending six dollars for this one, I don't think I mind spending six dollars for the next one because this is a prestige format book. Like, my but would you pay that eight ninety nine? Ah, uh, well, it's seven ninety nine, so eight dollars. Eight dollars. Um, those ones. Sorry, I'm just clicking out waiting for it to open. So those ones aren't as oversized. It's 44 pages of story. Um, so a little bit smaller than this issue, which was $2 less. Um, and you pulled, you paid full price for I this? I paid full price for this because when I was looking at something for the list last week, I was like, ooh, Ultra Mega looks cool. And the whole reason I thought that, and this is kind of one of those weird 
Chris Only things is Ultra Mega is a song by 2000s neo goth metal pop group uh, Power Man 5000. Uh, you may know them from their song When Worlds Collide. Uh, lead singer Spider One is Rob Zombie's little brother to give you just some sort of aspect ratio to which to view Power Man 5000. Uh, Ultra Mega is a 2000 song from them. So I was like, is this a Power Man 5000 comic book? And then when I clicked on it, I was like, oh, it's not. But this sounds kind of cool. So that's kind of what led me down that rabbit hole that led me to this. Um, I like this world enough that I'm ready to spend $6 for issue number two. $8 for issue three, $8 for issue four. We'll see how I feel about number two. Um, if I like the world enough, maybe if I'm entertained by it and kind of want to see more, but I don't absolutely love it, might wait for it to go on sale or come out as a full trade for maybe, you know, $15 just to kind of like cut that cost. Because you got to think that issue one and two would probably come out as their own trade. Because it's like four issues there. True, but if that's... I'm going to click on number four because I don't know how how many issues this is going to be. Um, because the thing with issue one, it's kind of like two issues. You know, it's issue one, issue, most of it is set up issue for one what the world like actually will be. Yeah. Because it basically exactly. sets up like what's going to be coming for the rest of the series. Uh, when you click on number four, it doesn't say anything about like ongoing or the finale. So who knows how long this might be going on for. But if they do a four issue omnibus for this, where it is like you know, 200 pages. Uh, it would depend on the price to get, like, that back half of the story. But as it stands right now, I enjoyed number one enough to be like, yeah, you know what? Let me throw number two in the cart. Let me let me go into this. I was surprised that it didn't end with whoever had the ultra mega, like, mask on, Noah, uh, not finding the like the that whatever eye symbol and becoming the new ultra mega i'm like oh that's we're in the future now the new guardians selected and they also say the kaiju haven't attacked in like a number of years and they got the mecha mecha megas kind of patrolling the city uh i had enough with the story six bucks hey cool story good wrap up i'm good see you later this no does work well as, like, if they showed him finding that eye and then it just wrapped up and it, it was just a single issue, mm-hmm. I, I'd i be fine with, like, a one and done in this yeah. world. If you were picking up issue two, Chris, I probably would read it because I did enjoy this book enough. And I did like the art and the colors and everything. Everything worked in this book. But I like I I don't think I'd pay six ninety nine for the next book, even if it was a double size issue. I think I'd wait till at least it was like well, half half price. You're rounding up because it's five ninety nine. It's like six dollars total. 
Is six dollars okay, um, or is it like that? Is that kind of like the cusp for you? I think I think five ninety nine, six bucks, depending depending on it, it. It's still a bit much. Everything in this book was. It is prestige. It is good. Everything works. But I don't know if it's you know six. It's six bucks is a lot to spend on a book. When we spend a lot of money on comic books every week. True, and I'm kind of able to justify this almost because the majority of my comic book buying is books for the show, and then. <clears throat> Periodically, I'm like, oh, it's kind of a light week. I don't have any number ones coming out, so let me go back to the the back catalog, buy number three, number four. Uh, when it comes to Nightwing, like number eighty, like that kind of catch up game because those books tend to be a little bit cheaper. Um, I've just had a very expensive month, I guess, because my next book and our final book for the show is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Last Ronin, number three. Uh, <clears throat> and bef- before before you go into this book, Chris, like if you pick up number two, oh, I I'm, feel like we should we should read it. Paul, Paul would you read be it up for to the read look two? back. I would read number two, yeah, because I I will be buying it, but it's going to be one of those like oh when I go on to Comicsology to just see like oh are there any books coming out this week that I want to buy? Oh okay, well let me get you know this this this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll and I'll pick up Ultra Mega number two. Like it's not going to be something that I'm like champing at the bit to get the next part of it because I think number three's already come out because I'm like a month and a half behind on this. But I'm I'm definitely going to grab it. So if you guys want to talk about it, I'm more than willing to. If you don't, and it's just going to be a thing there to sit and read, that's fine too because I I like this world enough that I do want to see what happens next. I think it's kind of fun to do that issue too, just like we've been doing with the last Ronin and we've continued to read these and continue to talk about them. Half of it is because Chris, if you kept buying these, we would talk about them, but we wouldn't, we would read them, but we wouldn't talk about them. And that's kind of what I've enjoyed about continuing to read this book it's having those moments where the three of us sit around and talk about comic books like we have in our past lives. And, Paul, in the last in the last year and a half, I've seen you in person twice. Yeah. And most of those times were picking up beer. <laughs> picking up beer. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah, the time was, you, drop, you was dropped dropping off, off. You dropped off beer. I gave you, you know, we traded beer for the podcast. I gave your but, kid a basket for Halloween. Yeah. And then the one time was like, hey, we're going to be in your area. Do you want to have a stop and chat? And yeah. we sat around with you and your wife and me and my wife. And we sat and talked for about a hour, two, hour and a half, two hours, something like that. And then I was like, eh, we got to go pick up our son, like great talking to you guys great to see another human being (laughs) other than people that are quote unquote in our bubble but to just if we were to read these books on our own 
and enjoy them and not have the ability to have this chit chat like mm-hmm. it definitely it wouldn't have the same appeal reading this book and having a new Ninja Turtles also having a renaissance with me and my son also really help with me enjoying these books but also the fact that I can read these books and then have a conversation with you guys about them really it's a lot better because Chris lives in Florida Paul you you have your own life I have my own life we don't nearly get together as much and when we did get together it was basically to play board games and have mm-hmm. small chit chat in between that but we don't sit around as friends and just have comic book talk that's not on the show so to continue to read this series I, 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 I love it I love continuing to have that conversation with you guys just like when we were reading in the 2000s and we were all reading Nightwing and we were reading Batman and we sat around and would just talk about those things and people like at parties that we would be with our friends and we would just sit around and be sitting in the corner talking about comic books and yeah. they, they would come up and be like eh. oh you're talking about Batman still okay, <laughs> like, okay. And then they keep walking and then like someone's mm-hmm. like uh, I thought they were going to get to the movie at some point but they <laughs> never did like yep those are th- those are things I'm I'm I miss in my life. So to continue to read R- the last <clears throat> Ron in these Ninja Turtle books, and for us to continue to keep talking about them is is a highlight of my <laughs> of of my life, especially in this time of my life and this time of where the world's at. Because Chris could keep could keep buying them, and I could keep reading them but I wouldn't have anyone to talk about him. So now let's talk about The Last Ronin. Uh, having grown up with the Ninja Turtles, and this is all stuff that's probably been said before over the past two months of lookbacks, I've never really read Ninja Turtle comic books outside the original run that I picked up in an omnibus like 30 years after the original publication. Uh, outside of this, like, final Ninja Turtles story I've never had any kind of drive to pick up a Ninja Turtle comic books and that's bizarre for probably one of my favorite franchises that I grew up with as a kid because I've bought Thundercats comic books I've bought He-Man comic books I've bought Battle of the Planets comic books I've bought so much shit that's just like regurgitations of the things that I grew up with because it's like smashing that nostalgia button that Ninja Turtles has been continuously published in comic book format since it was originally coming out and it was only on my radar as cartoons and action figures and then big movies from Miramax. I don't know why I've never dipped my toe into it besides this, but this book kind of makes me want that. But then I read the Ashcan because there is like a six, seven page story at the end of this that kind of takes place in the current comics Ninja Turtle universe that was like, well, no, like I don't care about that because it's a Ninja Turtle that I don't know. 
Um, we'll get to that because we're uh, mostly going to be talking about Ninja Turtles Last Ronin number three, and this is the five issue series coming out uh, from IDW, written by Turtle creators Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, art by Kevin Eastman, who's doing the kind of backup flashbacks that you see when it's Michelangelo mm-hmm. talking about his like retreat where it's all like very stark black and white uh, but art mostly by Ben Bishop and this is the continuing story like Turtles on the Run the Foot Clan's in control of the city this one didn't catch me as much as the first two issues because I think at this point we've seen enough of the history leading up to it that really what only got me interested was the parlay that was called by uh, uh, what's his name Harito Hariko I just scrolled past it uh, that, that's okay it's um, it, an H. Hiro- it's basically the next in line of the Foot Clan uh, Shredder's grandson uh, Hirotu Hiro- Oki Oku sorry um calling for a parlay with the Hamato clan. And then that meeting falling apart is kind of what sends the turtles on their way. Turtle. Sorry. The rest of them are dead. Um, This issue on its own I don't care too much about and I blame a lot of that on the fact that it's a lot of circling back to Fugitoid, which was Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird's first comic book character that created, which was the robot with the scientist mind stuck in it, that they then folded into the Ninja Turtle universe. And then they brought him in in action figure form. That's not a character I know or care about. Like, I want to see more of the Turtle story in this. And it's that, like, uh, Dr. Honeywell a.k.a. Fugitoid Stockman lead-up that just it kind of got thrown into this story where I've been seeing, you know, the Hamato clans fall and then Michelangelo seeking vengeance for it that I want, but now it's the resurgence of this other story that I didn't know and don't care about that kind of took me out of this one. See, I kind of liked the Donnie and Splinter going to meet with them in that world where the rest of the turtles and the rest of the turtles, Casey Jones, die where April loses her arm and leg because I liked seeing like I liked seeing them in the outfits that they were at some point in toy form, you know, where they like Donnie's got the black leather with the purple the purple highlights on it and Leo kind of looks monk-ish because he's got like kind of a big flowing robe top thing on I like those moments I liked how they separated the turtles to have them go to the parlay and then they systematically took took them down like I kind of like that I like that the turtles just Splinter had that optimism that no, they want to end this war, blah blah blah, and then they separated and took them down, and then, I mean, Baxter just blew the shit out of them. Like, 
it 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 really i feel it it works with how this story of how this guy took power and how then when mikey woke up his first thing was trying to find donnie and splinter and that's how he got to asia like all that stuff i think worked the other thing was i thought this was only three issues so i was like how is this story going to tie into them ending this and when i got to the like when i got close to the end i was like it's gotta be more than three issues why did i think it was only three issues but i there was stuff that was out of my turtle realm like you had said about that robot and i just was like eh, something i missed because there was a lot of stuff that happened in that cartoon series that happened after i stopped watching it that i was like oh this is some character that showed up this is some character that showed up in the last 30 years of ninja turtle history and i liked that they were folding a lot of that stuff still into the series um, you call it turtle history. I like to call it turtle time. Turtle. <laughs> you know. Um. But I, I don't know. I I in, I enjoyed this issue. I I don't want to sound like I didn't enjoy it, but even again, growing up with the turtles and watching the cartoon, when I went into the original series. Baxter Stockman and the Monsters was kind of my least favorite part of it. I don't... I, it, it sounds so stupid. I don't read a comic book about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to read about a scientist with his, like, mechanized army. Um, that... That story is just not interesting to me. And then there's a lot of stuff with Casey. Casey Jones, not the Casey Jones. I, although I do like getting to see Casey, and he's basically speaking only in quotes from the 1989 movie. Um, I like that. But basically. Not a hockey fan, eh? How about. I do like seeing Casey and April's daughter, Casey, but. It's a lot of just her running around cities being like, go, oh, we're going to go to the underground. There's a lot of tunnels. With an aviator cap on yeah, and it, goggles. That made me think of Dr. Afro, which is a cool character. Um, oh, yeah. There's a little bit of hots for Dr. Afro. Dr. Afro's dope. Like, she's badass <laughs> evil Dr. Jones. Well, it's not to like. Um, I can't say shit. I like a. Uh, Solid Ventress, so who knows? I don't know. I, I do like this book, and John, I don't want you to think that I don't. It's just that it kind of jumped off to some side stories that we didn't have in the first two issues that I don't care about, and I don't want to see play out for like the last two issues now because I just want to see Michelangelo like try to get revenge. Like, I don't need to see them bring back a robot online that they've been afraid to bring online because then Baxter Stockman's going to know where they are. Like that, I, I I can definitely agree with that, 
But is that, sorry, is that with, too nitpicky for a property that I just like because I watched a cartoon and then ate fruit pies and was like, "Oh, pizza, yum, 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 yum." I I, th- I think I was able to look Turtles past is a bunch of those... bullshit guys. I don't know if you know that. It's like IBUs. I I remember us being in our 20s, Chris, and they had reissued like toys and we were at like a KB Toys looking at them and you were like, "Oh, this is here uh Michelangelo's only 14." And I was like, "Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles." And you were like, Oh, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. He'd be a teenager, wouldn't he? Uh, but he suddenly had child pro- a child warrior uh, syndrome problems. He, he suddenly like where like Kotova and the uh, rebel fighters. And- I'm just saying those digitals had their shit together more than I did when I was 14. Maybe it's because Splinter is yeah. a better dad than I ever had. Well, they also oh, like also said that Mikey was like a hundred years old, and I was like, "Yeah, that I did catch that note. I clocked it, and I was like, well, then how old's April?' But exactly, because April would have been older than them as teenagers. That's no, that's that's Casey Jones being a teenager and being like everybody that's older than me oh. is ancient. I'll, I'll give you know you what that. I mean. I, like that's I'll, I'll write it up to that because I took that just as like lore. That's like if. You know, when, yeah. anytime that John's wife sees me, she's like, "Oh, Paul's like two hundred years old." Like that's Paul. That's anybody not. who. <laughs> yeah, that's anybody. That's anybody. Paul, we so nicknamed I'm, you Gramps. <laughs> I'm younger than both of you, but somehow still older than both of you combined. It's just one of these weird timey wimey paradoxes. Well, we are also very immature and children at heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, thoughts on Les Ronan? I really, I actually like this one quite a bit. I thought it gave me all the wheres and whatnots, all the wheres and what fors that I was kind of wondering about. I'm like, wait, so why? How did Mikey survive, or why did Mikey survive? And where was he during this time where uh, the new Shredder is taking power over New York City? Uh, okay, oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he of course would want to get to Ma- Master Splinter and Donatello and kind of warn them that this is all it's a trap. Uh, this is quoted from Admiral Akbar. Um, it's it was a good it's a good like that. It's going to be the mid season finale, and here's the episode to get you caught up with what happened in the rest of the season. And here we go. Here comes the finale. Because there couldn't be another two issues full of flashbacks because we're caught up to where yeah. everybody died and where they were before. And also, Shredder's grandson is fucking out of his mind. Yeah, he's got and, a god complex now. And I kind of liked being like, oh, that guy's nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, he has this total god complex where he's like, I can't die. I can throw myself off a building. And these mechanical robots that I have created will save me. But he My also like won't let it happen. tripped and fell, and then he's like, "Eh, this is okay." And I was like, "It would be really like I, I just I had that moment of like it'd be really funny that he creates this like lockdown on the city. <laughs> They're gonna try to fight and get up there and kill him, but he's fallen to his death because he's nuts." 
And then they get up there, he's already dead, and it's like some other thing that's taken <laughs> like, away. It's the robot. And I was like, he's created his, oh, yeah. this is this is kind of brilliant. Like, I really thought, like, oh, they're a lot smarter. And then when you see, like, the feet, like, you think are coming to scoop them up, I was like, oh. I would have really loved this guy to have fallen to his death, being like, I can't die, and then die. And then, like, the board of who else, who else runs New York was like, well, we're just going to take over, and we're going to change it. Oh, during... During his scene where he takes power and everything, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to kill everybody in this room, isn't he? Like, as soon as he gets that sword in his hand, he's just going to, like, and that didn't happen. He's like, oh, I'm going to declare peace. And then I'm like, okay, cool. cool. But so there were see, some zigs when I thought there were zags. I've, at that moment, like, we're three issues into a series when we know that isn't what happened. So as well, soon as you I see knew that, he would be a bad guy. Yeah, but as soon as you see that, you already know, like, no, like, this isn't what his goal was. And even, like, they're calling out where it's like, well, no, like, you know, he's just a shyster. Like, he's just trying to play us to get us into place. And then Splinter's like, oh, no, like, if they're calling for this, like, we'll be prepared, but we have to do what we have to do. Like, I did like those moments. Um, I do want to move into the free digital ash can that came at the end. Did you guys read the Genesis story? I did not. I did not. Okay. I got a couple panels in, and I'm like, I got to get to the Ultra Mega Man. Uh, Like, I got got time for this. I'll I'll just do a quick wrap-up of it. Uh, But there is a secondary free, quote-unquote, comic book at the tail end of this, which... I don't know if you could just download this on its own, but if you download this issue of Last Ronin number three, it comes attached to it. Um, maybe Comixology has it as its own like kind of short issue. Didn't do the research, but it just seemed weird reading as free digital Ashcan on a comic book that I paid to download. Uh, but this is The Cure for You with uh, story and art by Bram Revel. And this is telling the story of another Ninja Turtle named Jenica, who's kind of patrolling Mutant Town, trying to keep mutants safe because there's a like line of demarcation between where mutants can go in the city versus outside of that. Because uh, this is taking place in a world where like everyone knows mutants do exist. Uh, and she's just trying to keep mutants safe. And that was like, oh, I don't know this character. Who's Jenica? Which led me to TMTpedia. And apparently she has a long storied history where she was an assassin for the Foot Clan, but followed the Foot Clan, not the leadership of Arokusaki, a.k.a. the Shredder. Uh, so she's a little bit of a rebel. And then she was healed by Splinter, so she was like, oh, well, maybe these guys aren't the bad guys. And then later, when she became injured, received a blood transfusion from Leonardo, which then mutated her into a turtle. There's whole histories for characters that I never even knew existed. And this is kind of that Star Wars thing where it's like, yes, there's a bigger universe here that I don't know about. And as someone that has not read any Ninja comics besides the original series and Last Ronin, maybe 
I should have known this going into Jenica. Maybe I would have been, maybe I would have been excited for it. Maybe this would be like an Ahsoka Tano number one comic that I'd be like, oh shit. But I, I, it doesn't carry that weight. Uh, and Paul, you're shaking your head. Am I? Yeah, because I was a happier person 20 seconds ago <laughs> before you told me all this. Like, <laughs> there's some knowledge that you just don't need to carry with you. This is one of those pieces of knowledge that, you know, I'm, I'm, this is like eldritch horror, horror knowledge. This is stuff like, okay, there was a woman, human woman, that was working with the Foot Clan, got healed, got a blood transfusion, and then became a Ninja Turtle. Like, no, I didn't need to know that. That's, that's, I, no, I'm done. It's fine. Give me less Ronin. Let me have the story of the well, Ninja Turtles I know. I mean, don't give me, don't give me I mean, Venus to Milo. Story. It doesn't matter. And I don't know if they've come out and said like, oh, this is the canon last story. Like, this is what everything will lead up to. But as it sounds, last Ronin, it's just, if you're a Ninja Turtle fan from when you were a kid, this this is a great story. I literally thought that the Janica character was the female Ninja Turtle that was added to that live action TV series. Uh, that was Venus de Milo, which I did not. I didn't watch either that show, but I I don't know what they said she happened or I, what. I feel like it was um like a Marvel comic Silk type situation where she was another turtle that was there. That Splinter just didn't grab, and then they found her later. I, I also I don't, don't understand know. why she wasn't named after. She was named after a piece of art, and not a painting, and not an artist. I don't know. Venus Milo was a yeah. statue, right? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just Without didn't seem. It, it was stupid. Um, uh, some feminists like to describe it as a boob problem. Where you take the outer boob, which is all art that has uh, that depicts a, a woman, you know, in the as the main subject of the art piece, and then you get to the nipple, which is then are, are uh, all nude women, and then women that are clothed, and then the the actual point of the nipple, tip of the nipple is the actual women artist. So out of uh, all, if you go to an art art you know museum. You'll see female female figures naked, female figures clothed as a nipple, and then female artists actually. Um, there. Yeah, they they call it they call it. it's it's a thing you can look it up. I learned that from my art history art, art uh, major wife. You know she has a bachelor's of fine arts. Uh, art history was the class I had after Bengal pause when going to Buff State. So at that point, I was full of chicken fingers and fries, and everything was done through PowerPoint, and the lights went off. So I promptly fell asleep for that hour and a half. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you guys, you boys got power rankings? Hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Boba Fett, uh, the number one. Really like that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, lesser on number two. Uh, my then uh, Shang Chi, number three, and then Ultra Mega, number four. All strong books. There's not a big jump drop. 
Um, so that that's where, that's where we're at. Man. Yeah. Jack, yeah, Chris, like, you, you go ahead and go. go. I'm, I'm ready. Just go from your gut. So shoot it off. Uh, shoot it off there, Chris. For me, it's going to be War of the Bounty Hunters number one. Not so much just because of the storytelling, but I'm excited to see where the story's going. Um, it's the perfect culmination of all of those things because it's a great creative team telling a great story that takes place in a great period of Star Wars history. Like, that's really exciting. Then I have Ultra Mega just because it's a really interesting world. And the we didn't talk enough about the art, I don't think, because there's just bizarreness from panel to panel, but then it can go into, like, hyper-detailed, like, splash pages. And when I say hyper-detailed, I mean, like, watching Ren and Stimpy, and then they would have those cutaway gags where you're seeing, like, the still-painted image of, like, the Band-Aid on Stimpy's butt. Like, it's kind of like that quality, like... like Gross-out humor, like almost. fidelity like. of, like, storytelling, and, like, it's just over the top, but it just it works so well. Uh, then Ninja Turtles, uh, Last Ronin, just because it is an interesting story, and all the stumbling blocks that I had with this one, I still just want to see a great, badass Ninja Turtle revenge story, and I'm getting that. I might not care about Baxter Stockman launching his rebellion against the Fugitoid, which, again, just a weird turn for this book to make. But I still like the world that this is taking place in. And then Shang-Chi, because maybe I should have kept up on reading Shang-Chi after we did that number one, because I didn't hate it. Like, I I think it was an interesting enough book. As a precursor to the movie, like, trying to get people interested, I think this new number one is better than the last number one we had. Yeah. You ready? Um... I I think I'm going to agree with you. The number one book out of this is War of the Bounty Hunters. I think I really like that the most. Then I'm going to do Ninja Turtles. Then I'm going to do Shang Chi. And then I think I'm going to do Ultra Mega. Like I'm 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 right in line with Paul. Yeah, Paul. Paul's Never celebrating happens, that everybody. as a win. First but, Mark it down. Like Paul said, like there are no losers with these four books. Like I enjoyed all of them, and when we had when I I read Shang Chi before I read um, the the Boba Fett book because I was like, well, probably like the Star Wars book better. So let me read Shang Chi, and when I started reading it, and when I finished it, I was like. I was not expecting to like this at all because I had read that previous Shang-Chi book not knowing it was written by the same guy. And I think it just... I wasn't expecting to like it as much. And the 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 reason I would put the Ultra Mega towards the bottom is because it's something I've already experienced. Like I said... Evangelion, Pacific Rim, tons of other <laughs> Godzilla movies. Like, they're 
Ultraman, mm-hmm. like The Giver. Like, there's so many books that and movies. The guy. Did you say MacGyver? MacGyver. Not Mick. Oh, not MacGyver. Not MacGyver. Okay. Um, I was like, there's what? so many things that I've 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 witnessed before this that I'm like, oh yeah, this guy grew up watching the same movies, animes, shows that I have, and then has artistic talent and was like, yeah, I'm gonna tell a story that's gonna be like any of those things where i did really enjoy it but it wasn't anything that really stood out if i hadn't seen those and read this i probably would have maybe read rated it a little higher but again like i am down for number two and number four of all of these books and I'm happy to for us to continue to do the Ninja Turtle books throughout this because I enjoy having that conversation with you guys uh, about it. And if you enjoy listening to us having those conversations, rate and review us wherever you listen to us. Uh, find us over on our Facebook, Instagram, what have you, and let us know there that you're enjoying it. We enjoy hearing anything from anyone that's listening uh because we're three guys in three different rooms across this country uh continuing to bring this to you which will in july in a month be 12 years that we've been doing this podcast we were there for the ground level of podcast guys we were there (laughs) no yeah yeah we were there before uh before what's the this is the crime one that serial? Yeah, we yeah, were there before serial created podcast. We were there before Mark Marin. Uh, we we were just podcasts, too lazy so. to market ourselves and do anything else. Uh, we, we just do it. Like you said, we just do this because we like to get together and talk about stuff that we like, whether it's comic books, movies, beer, like all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's just, we just like to do this. I guess we live streamed. Our yeah. podcast before Twitch yeah. on Ustream. Ustream. So, you know, we were there. We had a Windows we uh, 5 party. <laughs> I was just guessing. <laughs> I don't know Windows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry that I get so annoyed with that, but I do, and I don't know why. 